We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. If people could see what I see, they would have as big of a smile as I have right now. If you can see what I see. You're, you're like fulfilling, you're fulfilling my vision for you for the last like 18 months. I'm just your puppet, man. Uh, I don't think that's fair. This is your decision that I have kind of puppeteered. Just beat into your head until you finally did it. Well, okay. In fairness, I wanted the mustache. I got it. The stash is back. And you've been wanting the Morgan Wallen-esque mullet now for a minute. It's not It's not really Morgan Wallen-esque. Yet, 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 yet. Remember, this it's is a, day it's one a big, mullet. It's a big yet. Yeah. yeah. This is, t- today was day one of forming future Dustin. And what I would say this is this is what we call uh, off season. We're dusting. creating a new segment on the show. It's going to be a weekly feature. It's called Forming Fox. Yes, Forming Fox. Yeah, where exactly. you guys just like puppet me for shizzle. I think that's something different. No, I think I don't even know what that means. Is that, is that like a sex term? <laughs> we'll talk about it off air. Is that like salt and vinegar eyes? It's completely different, but tangibly related. Um, no, how so? I, how so? I don't think we can talk about it on air. You brought it up, not me. <clears throat> but with all this being said, I'm proud of you. Tiggles? Like, I let me ask you. Are you going to put a picture out there for people to see, or no. are you not ready? I, I don't know, man. We'll see. I kind of like the idea, because here's the thing. We all need to encourage this. Andy Roth has already tried to poo-poo this. We cannot have that. We need to encourage this. I feel like this is like it's Vader. A, I think it's a look that would grow on people. Yes. Well, Okay. But I think you have to let the look grow out a little bit. It does. I need like another six inches. I think you need to wait. Shoulder length. (laughs) I think you need four weeks of your hair growing. Just so we can. No, I'm talking about six inches on the back. Yes, we know that. We're moving on. But I think. I think you need about four weeks. Let it grow out. Let it take its shape a little bit. You can shape it about two weeks from now. I, and I, then I think you tell the people. So I'm going back in like three weeks to, to freshen it up again. Nice. I think at that point in time, I should have some, some, some flippy little flips mud in the flap. back. A little mud flap in the back, yeah. yeah. So you don't have the problem I had when I had a mullet in a high school. One was that I had a, a mullet in high school. Yeah. Um. Not the, only coming it, back, man. They are. They and were, there's a there's a variety of different ones. The, it doesn't have to be straight redneck mullet. That is fair. I mean, Morgan. This Wallen, isn't really redneck mullet. Morgan Wallens is like Metro mullet. I don't even know if the, I didn't you even know, know that was a thing. Let's coin it. Metro mullet. There it is. So, and honestly, now I think we got to stay. Fox has a Metro mullet, and Morgan Wallen. Has you think I should also, come in tomorrow with the cowboy boots? Yes, I'm. A, I was at because you're wearing a Bozeman hoodie today. Yeah. Like you, you've got the stash, you've got the, the 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 kind of the ready form mullet going on. I need a Carhartt shirt tomorrow. I need a belt buckle. I need uh, the whole the thing. belt buckle would really tie this whole. Oh, thing I got together. a nice nice belt buckle. Bolo yeah. tie. I mean, it's not a full McAfee belt buckle, but it's pretty solid. Bolo tie is a good ass, Kayla. I I don't think we're there yet. 
I don't think I don't want to see you in a bolo tie until we are until you're just Western wear fox. We got to do official business with the both with the bolo tie. Yeah, like, like you, if somebody if you marry somebody that I'll, listens I'll to the show, I'll be looking like Philip Rivers out here, but better. Yeah, because Phil Rivers maybe I'll rock the cowboy hat. I'm never gonna say no to the cowboy hat. Problems can't get the headphones around the cowboy hat. Where there's a will, there's a way. Also, you kind of half wear them now, anyways, right? I don't like wearing them. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe just wear them back like this. How many times a day do I take these things off? Like 27 times a segment? Something like that. Like you don't have them on now. I put them on. I actually just I realized the fun, how funny that is. Like I don't, I, I don't think I can wear the the the. the but are they headphones? What the cowboy they hat? And you weren't wearing them in the first damn place. But no. So we got uh, we got future Fox here. Forming Fox will be a, a recurring staple. We should have like a whole like team. We should get like, cause you got guys for everything. You've got guys for your, you know, suits. You got guys, you probably have a fixer. You got all these things. I feel like we should just have like the, the queer eye guys come in and, and bring you to the, to the table. Like I could get you on a couple of guys. So you'd be like, yeah, I like everything they do. Probably was good considering she played that. So, um, that being said, Michigan won the national championship. Yeah, last they did. Night. How about that? I called it. Yeah. Um, I, I can you get an I called it if they were the favorite. They were favored by five points. Eh, that's almost a touchdown. Yeah, and they won by what? Three touchdowns. Yeah, but you didn't call that. You didn't call they were going to win by three touchdowns. I said they were going to win in the trenches, which they absolutely kicked Washington's ass up front, both offensively and defensively. So there was only so I I you and I differed yesterday. I was not rooting for Michigan to win. It's just I can't. Honestly, in the moment, I I really wasn't rooting for Michigan. I just felt like that was who was going to win, and I just th- I think it's good for the Big Ten. So I I, yeah, I wasn't actively sitting there like, oh, Donovan Edwards, yeah. That would be weird if you did. Mostly because I don't I don't think I've ever seen you watch even a tennis match. You have a lot of money on. I don't even I've never seen you. I don't show a lot of emotion. Yeah, it's true. You keep it all inside because that's what Dusty Fox does. Future Fox does. Um, all these nicknames, man. But can I tell you though, is this a steady look? It's pretty steady. Okay. And anybody that does that says it's not steady, I got, I got a couple. Is pe- unsteady. I've sent it to a couple people today, and like I got a couple texts back that they're like, yeah, a little creepy. See, but no, that's this is this is where patience comes in, because like every great look, you're gonna get, you're gonna, you're gonna overthink it. You're I gonna, probably look a lot different. Yeah, like. Ten- it just takes. It's going to take a couple days to get used to this look. Four weeks from now, you could be. I mean, those same people could be kissing your ass, telling you how good you look. That's all I'm saying. But the the biggest downside to Michigan winning last night wasn't just Michigan winning. It was the Ohio State panic. I heard Lima all day today having uh, an an adult temper tantrum about uh, what this means for Ohio State football. I dealt with it on Sons of the Shoe with Spencer because we recorded our podcast. It's going to be out shortly. Um, we also talked about the Mike Vrabel news, which we'll get to. But every time, and it really is, it, there's such a focus on, on, on how bad things are at Ohio State, despite the fact Ryan Day is 56-8 and eight and four seasons in Michigan. But I, or Sorry, at Ohio State, but I digress. But there's such a focus that any time something could tangibly be blamed on Ryan Day, it is. And the absolute just 
inability. And now because Vrabel got fired in Tennessee, now it's going to reach a fevered pitch of people saying, yeah. well, it's just that simple. Just fire Ryan Day. Guys, he's not getting fired. Not even with Mike. I- I'm sure there's a conversation around some water cooler in Columbus where somebody goes, oh, Vrabel got fired. Oh, yeah, it would be great if he had here. Beyond that, like I don't think people understand what it takes – like what Ryan Day has just done, the commitments that he's gotten, and how if you fired him now, yes, Mike Vrabel, great hire. We, nobody could poo-poo the Mike Vrabel hire. But the reality is it does, the timing doesn't line up now. But yet it's just another thing for Ohio State to point to and overreact to because two months ago, is it two months ago now? It's damn near. Yeah, damn near two months ago, eight weeks ago, whatever it was, uh, Michigan beat Ohio State. It, it That... Honestly, I think we've reached peak softness from Ohio State fans. I'm not saying every Ohio State fans, because a lot of people are where I am on this and where mm-hmm. you are on this, but the the Ohio State panic after Michigan winning a national championship, I thought was unbecoming. I, I Honestly, I, I was pretty much off social media last night, so I didn't see a lot of the panic, but I, I guess I'm I'm a little confused by it because to me, watching that game and knowing – what Ohio State did this year going 11-1. and one. And I don't count the bowl game because that was just an exhibition. But I'm saying, like, in terms of the regular season, you know, like, you, in their house, had the ball inside their territory with a chance to win the game down six. Like, I, to me, I'm like, I, I looked at that game and I'm like, man, like, I, I think Ohio State would have kicked the, ooh, Kicked the ooh out of somebody. Yeah, yeah, out of Washington. Tiger almost got out of the cage. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think when you look back at, at the playoff, and again, this is how it goes every year. We always, you know, twenty twenty is hindsight, but like, Ohio State probably could have been in there, and and I mean, Georgia probably should have been in there. Well, and I, I actually just think what this has proven is that this would have been the perfect year to have the, the 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 first twelve the twelve team, yeah. And it, again, it thank you to Jim Phelps. Uh, Phillips and the ACC for blocking that and giving us what would have been, I mean, there were eight teams that would have been really fun playoff teams out of the 12, Mm -hmm. which might end up being as good as the 12 team playoff gets is that roughly 66% of the teams you let in are actually worthy of, of inclusion. But like, yeah, yeah, that I, I actually think the Ohio state loss has aged really well because I'll be honest with you. It's two really bad decisions by Kyle McCord away from Ohio State beating Michigan. It's two plays. If you don't see them the seven-point lead with the with the first interception, one, the second interception never happens. But two, it, whoever in that game, because of the way both teams played, whomever fell behind was going to have trouble coming from behind and getting that win. It yeah, just it, so happened to be Ohio it's, State it, and Columbus. It, it's funny in, how, like, two – really, two interceptions, I think, changed the entire season for – the landscape of college football. Number one, it was Kyle McCord's first pick of the game on that first drive. And number two, it was the McCarthy pick against Bama, which was overturned. Yep. Right call, by the way. But if Bama gets that ball, they go down there and score. I, I don't know that Michigan comes back and wins that game. And Alabama probably wins the national title, and everyone's just praising Saban again. So while we have that going on last night, Michigan crowned uh, their first national championship in right about 30 years. Although I heard exactly. What, 27 years? Uh, yeah, it was, what, 97? 97. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, then we also had the what I would say is pretty shocking news that Mike Vrabel got fired in Tennessee. And Why is it shocking? Tennessee, the, the, their ownership's a bunch of idiots. Well, I 
Okay, so I think it's that shocking. The organization's a joke. I think it's shocking because at some point when you've suffered through Mike Malarkey, Ken Wisenhunt, and Mike Munchak, and then you stumble onto a guy who, I mean, not just in Tennessee, like around the NFL is revered as a good coach, and the reasons why you haven't been who you were the first four years he was there, the last two years, have nothing to do with him. It is an aging roster where the talent wasn't replenished and you had a bridge quarterback and never found the bridge, the quarterback to hand the baton off to. Like those are leadership. Those are, you know, GM issues. And you let go. I mean, I think Mike Vrabel's a great coach. And the reason why it's surprising for a few different one, the the Titans could have held on to him and tried to trade him. They did not. They also murked him one day extra, uh, one day after Black Friday, and basically are allowing him to go to any team in the NFL scot free, including. Dude, they could have held on to him and got like a second or third round pick. And Diana Rossini uh, had tweeted out the explanation is uh, Titans ownership thought it would take too much energy and too much focus to try and reel in a trade to try and get a good player for Mike Vrabel, okay. which is stupid. I think is the word I mean, we're is, looking is for. This- is this ownership Yeah, not all there is what I think we're going there. Uh, Kevin Stefanski's press conference. We are going to talk some Browns here and kind of the impact of the Vrabel decision, the impact on. I, how about this text I just got from a, from a friend of mine who's a Buckeye? This is not me saying this. I'm just going to read it. We got to get into this later. Fire Ryan Day, hire Mike Vrabel. <laughs> Lima. <laughs> it was no, it was not Lima. It was not Lima. Was it any one of his 15 burner phones? We got Kevin Stefanski's press conference. It might conference. have been, yeah. You know, it's interesting. We're talking about Mike Vrabel getting fired, not traded, not reassigned. Any of the ways that the Titans could have kept their leverage over Mike Vrabel and got in. I, honestly, I would have taken a I, – I would have I, – if I was an NFL GM or an NFL owner, I would give up a first-round pick for Mike Vrabel. The man stepped into a team that had been caca for a decade and in two years – had them in the AFC title game. And I know the last, you know, the next two years, he didn't win a playoff game. What he did in those those three years during the peak of that Titans run is as impressive. He won with bad ownership, cheap ownership, uh, a GM he didn't pick that he clearly didn't really like or get along with. And he just consistently took over that division for a three or four year stretch. I think that's really impressive, but I think it's interesting. We're about to pay uh, play Kevin Stefanski's um, press conference, because if we go back a year's time and there were whispers then where Browns fans wanted Kevin Stefanski fired after a second straight losing season. And the guy that we have just in, in uh, there've been guys at the station who've done this, the guy that we have kind of held up as Simba, the great hope Oh, if we could only get this guy, it's Mike Vrabel. And now a year later, Kevin Stefanski's going to face the Houston Texans, an AFC South team, in the first round of the playoffs, and Mike Vrabel is going to be on to a second NFL head coaching job. Or a college coaching job, or whatever. Or just sit at home for a year. Whatever you want to do. Like, I don't know the, he's going to do that, but I, no, I think I, it's a possibility. I, I'm guessing he probably does coach, but my point is, you know, the Titans are idiots, and they decide to let this guy go. And all of a sudden, I mean, we talked about this about this pre-show, Nick. You know, there are how many jobs open currently? About three uh, or well, four? No, there's going to be about there's five. Four. Well, there, yeah, but the Titans don't count. 
because they fired Brable. Well, then there actually might be six because there was there's Atlanta, there's Washington, there's Vegas, there's oh, Carolina, no, Carolina, Carolina. Yeah, okay. So there's, Tennessee, and yeah. there's one more, right? I'm well, not, probably. Oh, New the England. Chargers. Well, and probably New England. So that's seven, right? So seven, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's seven teams right there, minus one because the one's Tennessee, so yeah. six. But there might be like eight more teams out there that have a coach that would 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 really just fire their coach for Vrabel. Uh, for instance, like uh, like half the league, I think would get rid of their coach, or have gotten rid of their coach, and would love to have Mike Vrabel. Like New it tells Orleans, tells you how dumb Tennessee is. New Orleans just uh, said that Dennis Allen's safe. No, Dennis Allen's actually done better in New Orleans than I thought he would be. Uh you're gone. If I'm if I'm there. Did ownership the statement group. come from Jameis Winston? Uh, <laughs> ooh, there were some. Like you and I had a good debate about it. There were some fire takes about Jameis Winston and. Uh, we don't need to repeat them, but good God, across the aisle, people went and lost their damn mind. But, I mean, look across the NFL. Like, if you're – honestly, if the Bills lose this weekend, they're, like, if you fire Sean McDermott to hire Ben Johnson, there's risk there. If you were to fire Sean McDermott after losing you to Kansas City – you make that name up? Who? Ben Johnson? Oh, no. That's blank check Ben, the man who Dave Tepper apparently wants to pay $15 million a year. But Mike Vrabel would be a, a, a I thought it was English Johnson. That's a different Johnson. But how many Johnsons are there? Plenty. Almost too many. Some might say it sounds too like many. a party. Too many Johnsons. Some might say. But I think Vrabel is a clear win over Sean McDermott. Honestly, if I'm the Jets, I really think about it. If somehow the the Bills lose to the Steelers this weekend, McDermott's toast. You want to hear a real hot take? You 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 want the game? What, what do you what? Okay, go ahead. This is the. I'm I was going to give someone a stray there. I, I held back. Thank you. Thank you. It wasn't you, by the way. Oh. Okay, then give. No. Give no, a stray. No, no, no. Damn it. Eagles. If Nick Sirianni finishes the collapse and loses this weekend, I he, mean. He, he may be going like full Peterson. I I could see. I mean, listen, I don't know how he Rosen wants to deal you with Mike Vrabel. You never want to go full Peterson. But can you imagine Mike Vrabel with that team? Oh, God. Can you imagine yeah. that psychopath? And I say that with love. Like, I think he's a good psychopath. But the man who said he'd cut off, ironically, a vital me- a vital uh, part of his body just to win a Super Bowl a as head coach, that's the one. Um, Would they sign King Henry? Can you imagine? Oh, God. Can you imagine him in that backfield lining with, up? With with Hurts? With Jalen Hurts and with A.J. Brown, with... DeAndre Swift? I mean, well, it kind of makes sense all of a sudden because, like, A.J. Brown... Uh, Mike Vrabel didn't want to trade A.J. Brown. Well, is, isn't God. Brown beefing with, with Sirianni right now? Uh-huh. Yeah. Man, I'll tell you. Mike Vrabel going to Philadelphia. That makes a lot of sense. That, and by the way, that's that, that that town would embrace that dude. Yeah. Like, honestly, I'm not prepared for the violence there. Yeah, I was going to say they'd embrace him until he loses. That's fair. We're, we're fresh off of a Super Bowl appearance to the coaches <laughs> They're there trying now. to fire Nick Sirianni. Um, uh, here's, here's the thing. The Vrabel thing could end up being bad for the Browns because we talked previously about the market for Jim Schwartz. Jim Schwartz has history in Tennessee. He was uh, Jeff Fisher's defensive coordinator forever. Um, He was just back there the last couple of years under Mike Vrabel. I think the Adams sisters might be more inclined to, to go with a, with a more veteran name, a guy who's a little bit more of a get-along guy. Like Jim Schwartz is a little bit easier to deal with than Mike Vrabel. 
I'm not saying it's likely. I just think we like before this job opened up, I really struggled to see where Jim could get a coaching job that made sense. And, you know, one of the rebuttals I got on social media was, well, they're not going to follow up a defensive guy with a defensive guy. I think they're going to rebuild. I don't think they're thinking about the quarterback just yet. I don't think they're thinking about all the little things. Like, I think if you're going to go through a rebuild, you want a veteran coach who's actually been a coach before who kind of gets the bit, who kind of understands what's necessary and how to survive losing and how to grow while you're still maybe not winning games. And I, I think Jim Schwartz makes a ridiculous amount of sense in Tennessee. I hope it doesn't happen for our sake, but like, you know, Danny uh, Cunningham, who's who's worked, uh, filled in on nights recently, uh, one of our uh, esteemed members of the station, tweeted back and said, I don't think he'd want that Titans job. And I'm like, I he's 58 and a defensive head coach, or defensive coordinator, and would be a retread head coach. I think Jim Schwartz would take just about any NFL head coaching job right now. It, it, Honestly, guys, I went from not being concerned about losing Jim to... I don't don't know that you'd take any head coaching job. I think it had to be be one of the better ones. I think... I don't know. Uh, Okay, my point is... By the way, do you think Vrabel wants to go back to New England? Um... Like, I I don't know that... Like, I'd want to be the coach that has to replace the legend. Well, if he didn't want to rebuild in Tennessee, why would he want to go to New England where they're fixing to have a little rebuild going on there? Unless Kraft tells him he doesn't want to rebuild, I'll, I'll tell you the I'll tell you the place that I think Jim uh, that I think well one if Jim Schwartz went there I, I think it'd be good for Jim but I don't think Jim's getting the job. I'll tell you the place I think Vrabel should want to go. L.A. with the Chargers. Yeah, he's proven he can win with bad ownership, which is what the Spanos family is. They he already has a franchise quarterback built in there. He can he can round up Arthur Smith who just got murked in Atlanta. And if you're Mike Vrabel, you can sell Mike Vrabel, who won three straight years in a piddly poop organization in the Chargers or in L- or in uh, Tennessee, and you also can sell Arthur Smith, who it's going to take a couple years to get a head coaching job again. I think the Chargers, and not just that, he's used to being in a town where there's not a lot. He's not. He's used to being a head coach in a town where. The fandom is fair weather. So it's not like I think he feels more comfortable in the blue blood sections of like New England or or New York or Cleveland or Pittsburgh or Green Bay or Minnesota. I think Vrabel there would be an absolute I almost said home run and then real I it would be a touchdown. Or a layup. Different sport. It's trying to go for the football one. That's that's where uh, that's where I would go. But I, I do think, like, all of a sudden, I am pretty concerned that Jim Schwartz could leave. Because I think the Tennessee thing just kind of... Ma- the, the the thing with NFL owners is that once you get a track record on these guys, you can kind of figure out what they like. And Vrabel did follow a trend of a personality that they like. That, that Tennessee likes, which is a very much a throwback. You know, in, in this case, it was a defensive coordinator, but throwback, stern, culture of accountability, whatever you want to call it, that fits what Ken Wisenhunt was, that fits what Mike Munchak was, that fits what Mike Malarkey was. Jim Schwartz kind of fits that as well. The, the stern thing looks different, but he's, he's still a guy who is known to be a bit fiery. I think that's the Tennessee. It, the, as sure as a... 
a really sexy offensive coordinator hire is what Dave Tepper's going to do in yeah. Carolina. A old-school, punch-you-in-the-mouth head coach is exactly what the Tennessee Titans like. And that's the rarity. Like, I don't think that's what Washington's looking for in a head coach. They just fired Ron Rivera. I don't think that's what um, – I'm trying to think of the other team. that Literally, I was just thinking about. I don't think that's what Atlanta's looking for. Although Atlanta might be another spot where I, I, I could – I could see Jim Schwartz landing there depending on what they were looking for in their next head coach. God, I hope he's back here. I do too, but I think this is like this is the downside of success. And you mentioned the Ryan Day thing. I don't think there's a chance. In, I, I'm, I'm going to go on the record here. Very official statement here. Mike Vrabel's not being named the head coach any time in the next six months. I think if it were to happen, it's Mike sits out a year collects that Titans money, and in a year's time, maybe Ryan Day loses to Michigan again, and you just kind of, whoop, kind of just slide Mike Vrabel in. Here's the problem with that. Ohio State fans are drunk on the idea of Mike Vrabel. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows if he actually would want the job. Right. And so so many people are like, yeah, just fire Ryan Day just so you can get Mike. I think Mike likes being an NFL head coach. He should. Yeah, I don't know that Mike wants to go back to college and have to recruit and do all these things that, you know, it's the last time he coached in college, you know, there was none of this NIL. The portal stuff wasn't really, it was kind of on the cusp of starting, but like things have changed so dramatically. Yeah, if he hated recruiting a decade ago, he's going to double super hate it now. Yeah. And I, here's the other part. I think you're in a I think Ohio State's in a much better spot here. And some of the things we heard from Kevin Stefanski, um, one, Dustin Hopkins unlikely yeah, that's to go. Big, that's pretty big news. I would say that's massive. Like, uh, Patterson's been effective? I don't even know what – I don't even know that he's been – He's existed? Of note. He has, he has been on the roster, and he has kicked. I mean, in fairness, if you had watched him – in the the kind of warm up leading to that first game, that Jets game, you would have thought he was going to go over, and he is not. I think I think there was a missed extra point here or there, but that's what got, kind of got him cut in Detroit. Um, yeah, on the road, playoffs, backup kicker, the Hopkins thing, and it makes you wonder if you win this game, would you have him hypothetically in in Baltimore, and then we'd probably be honestly. I think this is the most worry I've ever been about a kicker. Yeah, I mean, listen, kicking in the playoffs is so crucial, and you know, Hopkins was was so great. I thought the question actually um, by Shadell was pretty good because, like, I mean, when he chased down that kickoff return, like, you didn't need to do it. Yeah, you know, I I, I get the get the you know he's trying to you know make a play, whatever. But like, man, he's been out for like five weeks. Yeah, and it it just opens up a can of worms that. Probably we don't need to. It's probably just a little panic. But that was the first thing that came out. It was like the first question of the presser that I think had us all perk our ears up. Some of the other things, we do have the pre-practice injury report that is out. Uh, Amari Cooper, Dustin Hopkins, Kareem Hunt, um, Greg Newsom, Pierre Strong, Cedric Tillman, and Juan Thornhill are, are not at practice today due to injury, although Amari's listed as heel and rest uh, for this. So... From the wide receiver standpoint, we're wondering on the health of Elijah Moore and Amari Cooper. Um, Kevin Stavansky said that, you know, it's really just Cedric Tillman in the in the concussion protocol. 
Um, this is not just because Amari Cooper had 250 yards uh, three weeks ago or four weeks ago against Houston. Given some of the weaknesses beyond Stingley and Pitry in that secondary, this could be another game where you could have an, a huge, gigantic performance by uh, Amari Cooper, and that could be incredibly yeah. important to your ability. So the fact that he is just – it, you know that he's still dealing with the heel, but he's healthy enough that he's going to go. Yeah, is significant. J just take it easy. I mean, we need Amari Cooper to be at whatever percentage he can be at, where he can contribute. Maybe it's not 260 yards a game in the playoffs, but like he has certainly become Joe Flacco's favorite target. Well, and him I and Njoku. And I think specific to this game, even if he's, it's that it's that defensive gravity thing. It is when he's on the field. It, it it's going to take some eyeballs off of Elijah Moore and David Njoku, which is just going to – the more guys you got healthy out there, the tougher it is to for a for a weakened secondary to, to kind of defend you. And, hey, maybe David Bell's going to have a big game. I mean, two He's tutties. coming on, man. Two tutties. The the separation thing's still not great. He but, never separated. Um, but that really wasn't who he was at Purdue. No, he just he's, – he's a zone coverage, like run a good route, get open, catch the football. So the other things we saw or heard rather from the, the press conference was uh, there is a chance Grant Delpit would be activated off the IR this week. I think that begs a pretty interesting question on who goes to the bench. Because right now you've got Thornhill. I, I know he's missing today's practice with a calf injury, but he finally played. Uh, Deron Harmon has been making some plays. Ronnie Hickman has been. I mean, he was like, what was he, like rookie of the week, rookie yeah. defensive player of the week like two weeks ago or Two last weeks week? ago, he had the highest defensive. P PFF grade, right? Yeah, P of, PFF of, of grade. Yeah. Yep. And I think that was, um, who else had a big day? There was like somebody who had a, a big sack day that ended up, his number still ended up graded out better. Um, the Delta thing's interesting, though. I, it's so funny. Like, one of the, this is like a silver lining thing. One of the silver linings of this year is I think you're going to go into next year really set at safety. Between Delpit, between Hickman, like you went into this year having to find three safeties, and 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 Thornhill was one of them. But like Anthony Bell, like you've got some options now. Uh, and then the final thing that I thought was really interesting was he was uh, Kevin Stefanski was asked in his press conference whether or not Jeff Driscoll would be the backup this week. And we're still working through that. We're still working through that. And I'll be honest with you, I I don't. What, what is there to work through? I don't know how to emotionally process this. Like, I can't claim a victory. If P.J. Walker ends up being your backup, I don't think I can claim that as a victory. <laughs> like, if Jeff if Jeff Driscoll comes from behind and gets the dub and it's your backup, I don't think I can claim that as a victory. I think it depends on how the game goes. I mean, like, if, if you're winning the game and Flacco somehow goes down, I'd put P.J. in there because he can run. Mm -hmm. I also think, like, well, I, I don't know. I think, one, I think Driscoll is more comfortable you know we've talked a lot about the fit with Flacco I think Driscoll is more comfortable in this style of offense putting your back to the defense mm -hmm. all the kind of little stuff and I actually think he's a better runner than PJ I think in that second half like I I know most of us were comatose by the second half and just completely ready for that game to be over I kind of think that he kind of showed one of the reasons he's lasted as long as he has he's got some wheels on him I'm, I, it's so weird. I might be going full Driscoll. I might be. You, you never know, want to go full Driscoll. I, I mean, the Brown. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Just did that on Cincinnati and it wasn't great, but uh, our next guest is on it. He's on with us every single Tuesday during football season and on the line is Odyssey NFL insider Brian Baldinger. Insider calls brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin too. Baldy joining us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Brian, welcome to the show. Guys, thanks for having me. It's good to be with you. And um, Super Wildcard Weekend is only hours away, man. So it's a good uh, it's a good time of the year. It really is. And, you know, it's good. It, it just feels – it's just nice to be in the playoffs if you're Cleveland. But, you know, the, the team that we kind of feared the most because of C.J. Stroud and the, the edge rushers in Houston, the, the, honestly, the three guys we actually didn't see when Houston and Cleveland played a couple weeks ago – is the team we got. I'm just curious, like, C.J. Stroud is is one of the rare rookie quarterbacks that's good against pressure. How do you slow down C.J. Stroud? Well, um, it would help if they, you know, somebody took away Nico Collins because it's his number one wide receiver and make him go someplace else with the ball, whether it's Dalton Schultz or Mechie or Woods. But it, that, that would help. They do a lot of play action. Uh, you know, so they get they get a little bit of time with max protection and linebackers stepping up. So, you know, you watch them last week and, and what they did against Indianapolis, first play of the game was max protection, you know, play action. They went 75 yards downtown. So they're going to take their deep shots. Um, and, you know, some of it is game planning. First play, that was a game plan decision to go after Indianapolis. And they kind of slowed down a little bit. But he, he sees the field very well. He's only thrown five interceptions this year. Uh, I don't know that you can really rattle him because he never looks rattled. So maybe you can, but I haven't really seen it. Nobody really has seen it. You know, Baldy, a lot of times rookies, their first time in the playoffs sort of struggle, especially the high draft mm-hmm. picks have over the, the course of the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Uh, what makes CJ different than some of those other players? Well, we don't know yet because we haven't seen him in the playoffs. But, you know, my guess is he's going to be a lot like Joe Burrow. When he got to the playoffs, my yeah. guess is he's just going to be the same guy he was during the regular season because he already like, okay, if you say, well, there's a different urgency in the playoffs, that's true. And there is a different tempo and speed and, but he plays with such urgency. That's why he's so good. Like he goes through his progressions as quick, as quickly as you can. His footwork is elite. Uh, he sees the field very, very well. I, you know, look, sit, you know, Cleveland's going to play a lot of man coverage and change things up and, They'll pressure him in different ways, perhaps. But I think he's, you know, he's been hit. He's been sacked. He's, all those things has happened to him. He, he really adjusts very, very quickly to anything that you throw at him. And he seems to have an answer for everything that you throw at him. I, I'd be surprised if he plays poorly in this game. Brian Baldinger on the North Dumstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Insider Calls, brought to you by Old Spice Gentlemen's Blend Body Wash, providing exfoliation plus 24-7 moisturization because men have skin too. I've been saying that a lot. Um, I got to ask you, where are the Texans' weaknesses? Um, I think that they, they, have, uh, they, they have a defense that's been put together largely by just castaways, Malik Collins. Uh, you can look at Sheldon Rankins, 
Jerry Hughes, Blake Cashman, Steve Nelson, Denzel Perriman. All these guys have bounced around the league. And so they're playing because they've been given an opportunity to play, and maybe it's their last chance to dance. But it's not like they're the most talented guys. They just play the game really, really hard. Um, and they're grateful for their opportunity. But if you said, well, is this one of the more talented defenses in football? They've been good against the run. But it's not like these are uh, – this is a world-class defense. I mean, they've played well, and they've risen in the ranks, and they finished the season, you know, ranked pretty high. I think uh, they got, like, up to 12 or 13 or something like that. But it's not like they're the most talented defensively. Jonathan Greenard is a very underrated player. Will Anderson has had a great second half of the season. We'll see if Greenard is, is healthy enough to go. But I would say that if that's the weakness, it's because they're not the most talented team. Every one of these guys I just mentioned has been given up on, you know, two, three, four times in some cases. Baldy, looking at the other part of this matchup, these two teams just faced off on Christmas Eve. I'm, I'm curious how you know, relative to if they played the first week of the season, how does recency factor into the prep process and kind of how you go about game planning for the other team, whether you're Cleveland or Houston, given it was about three weeks ago you faced each other? Well, I mean, just um, not to be sarcastic, but my, my guess is they'll cover Amari Cooper in this game. You know, they didn't, <laughs> they didn't cover him in the last game. So, um, you know, he's setting records out there. And my guess is, you know, that that's not going to happen again. Um, but, uh, you know, just – Sometimes it can be a good thing. Familiarity, uh, it can be a good thing, but also can make you a little lazy. Oh, I know what's coming. I know I know McLeek Collins' moves. I know what Sheldon Rankins likes to do. I know those twist stunts they run up front. I know when they get in this look, they do this. Some of that could be fresh in their minds, but I'm sure, that, you know, if you're a good coach, and these are two well-coached teams, uh, I'm sure you're, you're studying the last game for what you can from a scheme standpoint. But you're also looking at a, you know, a, a, a big part of the season and the cut-ups of all these teams and players and situations that they've been in and things that they'll have a tendency to do. And all that is important. But ultimately, once you play the game, like you're not, you know, the other team isn't going to call out the plays that you're running. I mean, it's going to be a different game plan than what they saw week 16. You know, it's been, goodness, 12 years since Flacco had that miracle run for the Ravens where they win the Super Bowl. And this, you know, last month and a half has been nothing short of remarkable for Joe Flacco. Uh, can it continue? I mean, the guy is, I don't know. I mean, he's hes found the fountain of youth or something here over the last, you know, six or seven weeks and appears to be, you know, poised for a nice little playoff run here. Well, I mean, you got to look at the, you know, what he knows about this offense. I mean, this is Gary Kubiak's offense. And so, you know, this is the same offense that Stefanski ran in Minnesota. So there's a lot of – and the best year Joe ever had was with Gary Kubiak in Baltimore. They probably should have gone to another Super Bowl that year. They got derailed by New England. But, you know, he, he's had a lot of success in this offense. And, um, and, you know, you still have to get timing with Amari and Njoku and the guys. But, you know, he knows where to go with the ball. Uh, he understands the concepts that Kevin has given him. So that's helped a lot. But, you know, look, it's Cinderella. You know, we don't know when the shoe's going to drop. He's, he, he has a propensity right now to turn the ball over. Is that – like, it probably will continue, but they've been good enough to overcome that stuff. But I don't think you should go in a shell and try not to make – not make mistakes. I mean, I think he's got to keep playing the way he's been playing. And uh, if they turn it over and they lose as a result of it, you have to live with that. But I have a feeling that the plays that he makes 
will counter any mistakes that he makes. Uh, you, it's a good point. You know, how, how much do you think the team themselves like actually know? Like, hey, listen, it's okay. We, we turn the ball over, no big deal. Our defense got our back. We'll get out there. We'll get it back. You know, I think that a lot of that is a mindset that they've sort of developed over this like four game winning streak here with with Flacco. Don't you think? Oh, there's no question. And you know, look, they're, they're, you're simply not here on s- Saturday afternoon if it's not for Joe. So, um, like, so they're they're th- like they're in the playoffs because of Joe. Now, everybody's played their role, but Joe's played the biggest role. So uh, they're thankful. But, you know, Schwartz, you know, like this guy is uh, – he, he, he's part psychiatrist. And so he, he, he's already told his guys, look, we fumble the ball on the two-yard line. we got to go out there and defend the goal line. They're going to kick a field goal. We're, they're not scoring. Like he, he just, there's a brashness to, to Jim. There's a, a cockiness to Jim that I think is transferred to his players that if they got to play transition defense anywhere on the field, I think they're fully up to the task. Baldy, I was uh, earlier today getting ready for our interview, and I was I was reading your breakdown of the Eagles on the All City NFL um, video cast there, and I I just think it's interesting. We have a it a relationship to this game because Baker Mayfield's now in Tampa. The Eagles yeah. now have to go on the road to to Tampa, despite for most of the season being the one seed or two seed in the NFL or in the NFC. I'm just curious: are you think the Eagles are going to get bounced by Baker and the the Bucks this weekend? I mean, I don't know, I, but my guess is they're going to continue to play um, error football, and the things that are bothering this team aren't going to be fixed. Now, it might still be good enough to beat Tampa. They're not a great team. Um, they finished the season pretty strong, uh, but you know they haven't scored touchdowns in the last two games, so that's never a good thing. But you know, Todd Bowles—they've gone to the playoffs four years in a row. Baker's had his best season he's ever had. Um, you know, they believe in Baker. He's he's won that locker room, the players, the whole thing. Like it's been a great, great year for Baker. So I don't think they're ready to end it yet. But I don't know that Philadelphia. I mean, I know they played week three. It doesn't really matter. I mean, this is not the same Eagles team. It's not the same Buck team. But I, my guess is the Eagles are not going to play great football. But it still might be good enough to beat Tampa. Baldy, what other games are you most intrigued with on Super Wild Card Weekend this weekend? Mm, well, I think Rams-Detroit. Because, you know, the Rams are the lowest seed uh, right here going into Detroit, who's a two seed, and they can win that game for sure. I think Green Bay Dallas is fascinating. Green Bay um, has built this thing up way quicker than anybody thought they could. They're legit. The running back is playing better than any running back in the league, and Aaron Jones. It's been Dallas's uh, bugaboo all year. And nobody, um, this is debatable, I guess, but I don't think anybody in this whole tournament has more pressure on them than Dak. Um, I played in Dallas. I understand how quarterbacks are viewed there. You're either in Staubach or Aikman's category, or you're Romo, Danny White in that category. And Dak wants to get into the upper tier. You know, he wants to play um, with the big boys, and they got to start winning some playoff games to do it. There's a lot of pressure there. And Green Bay's got nothing to lose. They're not supposed to be here. They're a year away from, you know, becoming a, a playoff team that can scare people. So, and they're very, very well coached. Uh, Matt LaFleur has done a phenomenal job. So, that game has a lot of intrigue for me on Sunday afternoon. Brian, are you surprised that the Texans fired Mike Vrabel? Yes. I just was in Nashville Sunday to watch him bounce Jacksonville out. Uh, 
I think Mike's a great coach. I, I think he was given a really poor roster. Um, that happens sometimes. Uh, you're in transition, offensive linemen are um, nowhere to be found. Uh, your best defensive player is out the last six weeks of the season. You're playing rookie quarterbacks, blah, blah, blah. The, the player that you said would never, ever go anywhere as long as I'm the head coach and A.J. Brown got traded away on the draft day. So, so there's like friction there between how he wants the team built. But he's taken – I mean, he's, he's the definition of a coach. I'll take whatever I got, and I'll beat whatever you have. And I'll, we'll, we'll figure out a way and a style. And I think they've done that to stay very competitive. So I'm very surprised, but I think there's something else in the works out there with Mike. Are we thinking New England there? Yeah, I think there's like there could be something. I mean, I don't have any inside information. I'm not Schefter or one of these guys, Jay Glazer. Oh, you got you know, connections. Not, don't play coy, yeah. Baldy. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not in that game, man. I'm in the film room here. Um, but I, I, I could see if something would happen in New England, like. I could see Mike ending up in New England. I mean, that's, I mean, everybody has said that. It's not like me. I'm breaking news here. I'm not. But I could see something like that um, being worked out, you know, if, if it's time for Bill to go or uh, whatever, whatever Mr. Kraft and Bill Belichick decide to do, I could see if there's a change being made for whatever reason. I could see, you know, Mike landing there and then Tennessee looking for one of these hot prospects out there. Baldy, um, we, we've obviously spent a lot of time focusing on the quarterbacks here, and that's the most important, very often the most important player on the offense. Can you give me the most important defensive player for a Browns victory and the most important Texans defender? Uh, so both players on defense for a Texans win. Well, I think, I mean, I'm not, you know, going crazy, but my Miles Garrett, you know, could change the game. Now, Larry Tunsil has been uh, a good piece of kryptonite for Miles Garrett when they have played. Uh, he is a phenomenal player. It's a great matchup. It's a game within a game. Um, StubHub could get a good price if you just wanted to watch that matchup. Uh, but so, you know, that's the challenge for Miles out there is to – it's one thing to get sacks and block field goals and knock quarterbacks down. It's another thing to do it in the playoffs. And he hadn't had that chance very much. But that's how you elevate your game in the minds of everybody else. You do it on national TV, and you show why you're the defensive player of the year. So I think Miles – you know, is certainly that type of a player that could do that for my favorite defensive player in Houston is uh, Jalen Petrie. Like that guy was a phenomenal player at Baylor. He's everywhere. He's fearless. Uh, he's got great. Um, he's got great eyes for the ball. Uh, he's everywhere. Um, he can blitz. He can cover. He can tackle. I, I just number five at safety for Houston is one of my favorite players in this league. Hey, last thing, Baldy, about 30 seconds here. You know, Michigan wins the title last night. A lot of talk about Harbaugh. You think he goes to the league or stays in Michigan? Oh, no, no. He's, he's, he's gone. He's going to be in the league. He's going to be as big as any free agent that we've ever seen out there. There'll be a lot. Every team should be interested in Jim Harbaugh. Uh, he's just that good, and he's that much of a difference maker. And I think he got an agent for a reason, and I think they're fielding a lot of calls today. Baldy, excellent stuff as always. We appreciate you, and hopefully next week when we're talking same time, we're we're getting yeah. you ready for the next round of playoffs sure. with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, that, I know that would make Cleveland and uh, the Dog Pound and everybody else there in Bria and elsewhere very, very happy. Excellent stuff, Baldy. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. That was Odyssey NFL insider Brian Baldinger. It's kind of the, the highlights of his thoughts on the Browns and Texans, and I'm glad that Brian – 
mentioned Joe Burrow as a quarterback who just seems to be the same guy in every context. Like, I thought it was funny that, you know, the best performance of C.J. Stroud's career in Columbus was in the playoff game, his last game, uh, as the Buckeye starting quarterback, where the guy looked on a different level than anybody else in the field. And so I don't expect, like, I think people people have talked a, a, a lot about him as a rookie, and I think he's going to look like a rookie. That, that might happen. Something tells me this kid isn't your typical rookie because, you know, Dusty, we just heard Brian Baldinger make the, the Joe Burrow comparison. Joe Burrow wasn't in the playoffs as a rookie and had a lot more rookie moments and didn't have the late-season push that C.J. Stroud has. Yeah. And that is still one of the best young quarterbacks, him and Mahomes. And neither guy was in their first year in the NFL when they did what C.J. Stroud was doing or what they were doing. Mahomes was in the second year, first year as a starter. Burrow in a second year and first full season as a starter. This kid is a rookie and just seems unflappable. Yeah, he's playing out his mind. And I, I think a lot of it, you, you use a good term there, unflappable. He doesn't seem like anything can rattle him. Mm-hmm. And that's very similar to Burrow. Um, the difference between Burrow and this kid is like, I, I mean, I don't know if it's the difference because like they're they're both pretty pretty good, at, pretty good, pretty good at escaping the pocket. But like, I don't know, man. For a rookie, this guy just seems like he he can like make plays like these fadeaway jumpers he makes. Yeah, are ridiculous throws. And it this feels like and it, a and game. It, sorry, Nikki. It, it just sorry. You're saying that's probably the same thing I'm about to say. It, it feels like you know sometimes there are plays where like the Browns have a great pass rush and they're in man coverage, and that's where you get kind of screwed with a guy like this because you think you got him covered and you think you're going to get home, and all of a sudden you're you're not home. It all this feels like the rare game where Denzel Ward might be more important to winning it because of Nico Collins than Miles Garrett is, and they're both insanely important. I'm not. I'm not saying Miles isn't important. I'm just saying, like, I think I, I think Denzel's the guy that can shut down Nico Collins. And if you don't shut down Nico, um, and this game's different, by the way, if you have uh, Tank Dell, because then all of a sudden you have to decide who who covers the fastest guy on the field. And that probably would be Denzel. But like, this feels like a big game for both of those defensive players, but specifically Denzel Ward. Now. While we are on the topic of former Buckeyes, Ohio State does have a new starting quarterback in Will Howard. Myself and Spencer German break down the latest addition to Ohio State with Kansas State announcer Matt Walters. That was on our previous edition of the Sons of the Shoe podcast, but on the latest one, we just released it today. We tackle Quinshawn Judkins, who is the new running back in at Ole Miss and how he fits in, what that means for Travion Henderson. We also get into Michigan winning the national championship. I I I had to administer some tough love to Ohio State fans, and finally, um, we talked a little bit about Mike Vrabel in Columbus. So again, that's the new Sons of the Shoe podcast. Follow, follow the show wherever you get your podcast. Ninety two the fan dot com, the free Odyssey app, uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Sons of the Shoe. Follow that B. I thought the mo- I thought the thing that blew me away was at the very end. You said, "Give us thirty seconds." Jim Harbaugh, what happens with him? There was no hesitation. There, not, not just no hesitation. It was like, oh, he's gone. Yeah, Brian, and not just he's gone, but he's gone and every team should be lining up to hire him. And it's funny because I don't know every team is, 
And I think that's pretty ridiculous. Like, I think there are still there are still teams that will be chasing the Ben Johnsons, the hot young coordinator over Jim Harbaugh. And it just, it's befuddling. It's the same thing that with uh, uh, Tennessee firing Mike Vrabel. It is befuddling to me. You, know, you could you could see a yeah. successful head coach and say, ah, eh, just not my taste. You know, it's interesting. I, I think, you know, Harbaugh gets a bad rap because he comes off as kind of aloof at times. But every team he's been on, every player that has played for him, he's developed a culture. He's won. Yep. He's turned programs around. And so, yeah, maybe he's just a little quirky, but that quirkiness works. Okay. And I, I, again, I, I don't know Jim personally. I, I know, you know, his family a little bit. And obviously, I played for John, and, and John's been a friend over the years, but like, they just know how to coach ball, man. And sometimes coaching ball is bigger than just the X's and O's. It's getting guys ready to go. Here's the, here's the cut from. Well, let, let's get to that in just one okay, second. I, I wanted to add to that. Okay. I, I think it's important to remember what you saw last night. I think, I think there are Ohio State fans who want to rewrite the narrative on what they saw. Michigan proved last night they were the best team in the country. And so I, I thought it was really telling when Harbaugh was asked about his future after winning the national championship. He went full Jim Harbaugh. I just want to enjoy this. And I hope you give me that, you know. Can a guy have that? Does it always have to be, you know, what's next? What's, what's the future? You know, like I said the other day, yeah, I hope, I hope to have a future. hope there's a tomorrow, <laughs> a day after tomorrow, you know, a next week, a next month, a next year. So the funny thing is he starts out. Pretty even kill. Can a guy just have this? That was such like a, uh, like a, what a relatable thing of like it doesn't always have to be about the future. And, and then, guys have this moment. And then when he was like, I hope to have a future tomorrow, the day after, two weeks from now, three Sundays from tomorrow. Like I just, it was like he just went full hardball. Like it's so like he can't like that. I, honestly, I think that's part of what. What makes? Yeah, I mean, look, Ohio State may, fans may hate this, but like I'm a hardball fan. I, I, how can you not? I mean, if you take yourself out of the scarlet and gray glasses for a moment, mm-hmm. like I respect the guy as a coach. I respect what he's done everywhere he's been. I respect his family. I respect, you know, I respect the hell out of Michigan, by the way. And you may hate that, but it is what it is. You don't don't be like these dumbass Miami fans when we beat Miami. They won and they beat our ass three years in a row. I think Ohio State fans who've either wanted to question the legitimacy of this title or it's, ev- it's so whack or every step of the uh, every step of the way it's been they're cheaters they're cheaters guys kind of has not worked on that program since I think the eighth game of the season Jim Harbaugh coached half the regular season any one of those things they had to fire their linebacker coach with like two weeks to go in the season any one of those things hits a normal program and they get sidetracked and what I saw last night yeah was- I'm, let me just tell you something like Knowing somebody's plays doesn't stop these badass offensive linemen running inside zone. Well, and <laughs> you know, then you can't stop it. If they were a paper tiger or if they weren't a great team, they would not have made it where they were with everything they faced. And and listen, that a lot of the issues Michigan faced were were self-imposed. Like it, they brought it on themselves by doing things that incurred the wrath of the NCAA. That's a hundred in the Big Ten. That's a hundred percent fair to say. The same point, they still overcame it. And, you know, it's funny, man. Like, I, listen, I... And, and to be able to hold those, like, 
whether you know they whether Harbaugh knew what was going on internally, he, he probably knew something. I don't know. It doesn't to me. It doesn't even matter because I think every program does it anyway. Mm-hmm. But like to be able to keep the players together, yep. that says more about his coaching ability and culture, and culture. Th- than than anything. I think that word culture. That's right now. I think Michigan has the better culture than Ohio State. And and by the way, I don't just because we can say that doesn't mean it's it's a, a huge gulf between the two. I just think Michigan has everyone focused on the number one thing, which is succeeding at Michigan. And I'll be honest with you, man, like I don't know how you watch that. And Keith has kind of been on this all damn season long. People have said, well, Michigan's only succeeding because of X. Did you not see what they did to Washington's offensive line yesterday? A Washington offense that has put up 37 points a game this year has been prolific. You know, Penix, I, I had him as number two in my Heisman voting. Yep. You know, and they made him look like uh, Jeff Driscoll. Well, and, ooh, Sorry. shots fired at he, Jeff Driscoll. He, 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 he deserved it. I saw that Cincinnati game. I had to watch that. No offense, Jeff. But I I look at it more as it. if you didn't come away from that game that defense was and saying that defense was better than Ohio State's. I'm sorry, you're you're lost in the sauce. Those those dudes were generating pressure in a way. In in Washington was trying to do some stunting to get guys like to move guys instead of trying to basically they knew they couldn't beat them fist for fist. So they tried to just get guys moving. It did not matter. The guys would move. Um they kept uh stunting their the Michigan kept throwing their defensive ends inside. And Washington had no recourse for it. It's because they are five, six deep on the defensive line, and they're just better. And by the way, they're better on offensive line as well. And their secondary is so damn good, man. I mean, they basically said, actually, I can. Here's one piece of analysis that I think Kalen DeBoer should want back today. Why did it take you 20 minutes of clock time to start taking the underneath throws? Because that I I was watching that, and Kalen's a hell of a coach. Like to do what he's done at Washington, I'm I'm that, that doesn't. Um, offset that but I don't think I saw Michael Penick start to consider, consistently throw those underneath throws and just take everything Michigan was, uh, Michigan was giving them mm-hmm. and by that time the big over the top throws when they finally started to get to him then Michael Penix Jr. was missing them because he was too he was in his own head and that is like you can say well Michael Penix Jr. was missing those throws okay why because the Michigan defense was really damn good 216-474-0092. This brings us to a question that I'm opening up to every Ohio State fan, every Michigan fan, because I want to hear your justification. Is the Michigan championship tainted? We do have the Pulse with Keith coming up in just about 15 minutes. We're reacting to uh, the national championship win. By the way, I got I got a piece of audio you're going to want to hear in the Pulse. Oh, it's not me, is it? No, it's not you. It's not Dustin? Not, it's not anybody on this station. It might oh, be nice. about somebody on this station, but it's not from anybody on this station. That's from a, pretty... a person that used to work at this station. You know what? That's what we call a damn good tease. And if I got to go to war, I got to oh, go to war. Oh, there might be some smoke after this one. Did Two we... war wars! Did we get authorization from the bosses? Oh, yes, absolutely. I don't need authorization. I'm, I'm, uh, I'll make a call on this one. <laughs> Yeah! Oh, Hell yeah! Damn! Put him on a, the table, talk Keith! Talk about a flex! Woo! Damn glad you were that swole, because that was one hell of a flex there. 
Man, that was like a McAfee flex right there. That was Norby Williamson be damned, I say. Um, <laughs> while we get you ready for the Pulse coming up in about uh, 15 minutes here, I would like to take a quick stab. we got a couple calls on this, but uh, we threw out the question, and we'll throw it out again, 216-474-0092. Is the Michigan championship tainted? And I, I might need a little bit of a landing strip on this because I'll be honest with you. We talked about this on Sons of the Shoe today, and I lost my mind on it. I think if your response to Michigan beating you three straight times and them winning the national championship and your only rebuttal is sign-stealing and they should revoke the championship, which harkens back to the time when the NCAA abused its power by vacating wins, by vacating national championships, which ultimately hurts the the players, the kids that achieved these things and put their bodies and minds and ability to walk later in life and cognitive functioning, that it penalized them a hell of a lot more than it ever did any coach. If that is your only takeaway, you have become the loser that we, and, and I mean this with all due respect, you become the loser that we used to criticize Michigan fans for being when we beat Michigan for damn near 20 straight years. The reality is, if your only rebuttal to Michigan's greatness at the moment is, nah, I think we should go ahead and take away their championship because it's not legit. Guys, they didn't have their head coach for half the season. Guys, Connor Stallions hasn't worked there for the last four regular season games and neither playoff game. Guys, they didn't win this championship because of sign stealing. They won it because while everybody in Columbus was making every damn excuse they possibly could for why you couldn't beat Jim Harbaugh, they just built the better program. And there's this victim mentality and this, oh, poor, this guy is falling. And it's honestly, it's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous. Like if you went to Ohio State and you're doing the woe is me thing today, like get your head out of your ass. Like this whole thing about, and and everything is confirmation bias that you need to fire Ryan Day. Guys, they were one score away from beating Michigan this year. They they had the ball on the final possession offensively, and they were, they, they were in a position to go down the field and win the game. And the difference is that Ryan Day chose the wrong quarterback and, and, and a lot, and honestly, he chose the wrong offensive line coach at this point as well. But the difference between that and winning again next year is nil. And this, this, oh, and listen, we can say they Ryan Day chose poorly at quarterback and that the quarterback pipeline that you had has been disrupted. That's a fair concern to have. You can have a fair concern about the status of the offensive line because they still have not bought in a good offensive lineman yet in the portal. You can have concerns about Ryan Day and whether he understands the Michigan rivalry. But this nonsense that you've fallen so far off speaks to how spoiled you were. Guys, I'm going to tell you this right now. Ryan Day wasn't the only one born on third base. I, Dustin, uh, you're a little bit older than me. So you probably remember the end of the Earl Bruce era. How did I catch a stray? And no, no, no. I, mean, I was actually bringing this around. I was giving you credit. Like, I grew up on the wrong end of this rivalry for the first bit of John Cooper and the end of Earl Bruce. And I vaguely remember the, the end of the Earl Bruce tenure, and I certainly remember the first six years of John Cooper. And people throw that around willy-nilly, and when you say that, it sounds like you're talking out your ass. It sounds like you're a spoiled fan that's just just upset because somebody else has got a bigger toy and a better toy. And the reality is, that's just as much of a loser mentality as saying Ryan Day shouldn't be fired or that there's nothing wrong in Columbus. There's like 
the homers are wrong on Ryan Day and where Buckeyes are, and the haters are wrong. But this idea, oh, it's tainted. It's tainted. Stop that. I mean, just, I mean, just get all the way out with that, that stupid rationalization that, honestly, that's not why they won the national championship. I mean, listen, I, I think everything's fine in Columbus. Everyone's like panicking about Ohio State and Ryan Day. Like, I, I don't want to run, run Ryan Day out of time. You, you went 11 and 1. You know, and, and like McCord transfers because they're trying to upgrade the position. Like, McCord wasn't, wasn't that bad this year. You were one play away from beating the team that just won the title. I would disagree. I think, I think my Kyle McCord was awful. Respectfully. I don't think he was awful, dude. It was his first year starting. I think you're being very respectful, and I'm probably being disrespectful, so I will not push it further because you're probably on the right side of history and being a gentleman. But that being said, I agree with your overall thought. The idea, the the panic in Columbus. It's not what you want it to be. You're also 56-8 and eight in like four years. This is not John Cooper, who didn't have 10 wins until year six. It's not Earl Bruce, who by the end was the battering ram for Bo Schembechler. Not even close. Shall we go to the phones? We can. Let's go to Brody. Welcome to the show, Brody. Gentlemen, great show as usual. You know, listen, listening to Dustin, a couple things real quick. Dustin made a great point. He made a great point. And earlier in the show, they gave um, Harbaugh's resume. Listen, I love Ohio State. I don't like Michigan. They won it. I don't think it's tainted. But one thing I want to tell you, gentlemen, I cannot wait till next year when you don't have a committee saying he's playing there, he's playing there. Because I'm going to tell you something. In my opinion, Georgia was right up there, too. They didn't have a shot. But I absolutely agree, and I'm glad Dustin said that. Of course, I, I'm, a, I'm an Ohio State guy. I was bumming. I don't like the Steelers either, but, you know, I think Tomlin's a great coach, and, they, they, you know, they want it. Hopefully we can do it uh, next time. And, uh, and if Dustin Fox can say what he said, and he played against Michigan and beat him and lost to him, then I, I Only think once. On Only lost him once, by the way. Oh, and that's great. That's great. But, but hey, that, that's my take, and uh, I appreciate you guys. Have a great day. Brody, appreciate Thanks, Brody. you. Yeah, and and you know what? I'm going to save my Harbaugh take for a moment. I'm not, like, I'm not giving up on where the Buckeyes are, and I actually think so far, I think Will Howard is an upgrade. I think Quinshawn Junkins, especially if Travion Henderson comes back, is going to be an, an elite running back pairing, and even if he doesn't, I think I think between Howard and, and Junkins, I think they actually fixed their – their goal line issues and their their kind of short yardage issues because both those guys are going to be great in between the tackles. Real quick here, Eric, as an Ohio State fan, what you got for us, buddy? Sure. Uh, real quick, little sidebar first to set things off. Uh, if you're an Ohio State fan and a Browns fan, let's focus on the Browns being in the playoffs and not be well as me about Michigan and all that. That being said, let's put, you guys talk about being a prisoner of the moment a lot on the show and like – are we making a snap judgment? Let's think about this long term in the bigger context. The playoff team is gonna, or the playoff system is gonna open up to more teams, right? So if this is moving further ahead, like Ryan Day is gonna get Ohio State into the playoffs probably every year. So you're gonna have another shot at Michigan even if you lose to them in the game, and you're gonna have a shot at a national title every year too, as long as they keep doing what they've been doing. I agree, and I, I, I think it's actually going to make him even harder to fire Ryan Day. I think it's going to be really interesting, and I think of the call, Eric, to see whether playoff victories start to become as important 
to winning for Colum- in Columbus as to just beating Michigan. We played a little bit of audio from the morning show earlier this week. Well, uh, yesterday, Daryl Ryder was on with the morning show with Ken and Anthony. The morning boys, as they're known, pretty much only I call them that, and I do it kind of lazily and stupidly, but uh, they, they got into a conversation about who has the quarterback edge in the Browns-Texans game. Who has the quarterback edge on Saturday? Browns. Joe Flacco's won uh, as uh, many games as anyone on the road in the postseason. You know, he's been there. He's done that. This will be, uh, you know, obviously C.J. Stroud's first exposure. The other thing, too, is uh, when you look at defense v. defense, obviously the Browns have the edge there. So, to me, Browns have the edge going into this game. They should win this game. I expect them to win this game. But, again, it's the playoffs, and there's no guarantees here. But I feel pretty good about the Browns uh, going into this game. So, it's... I don't think it's as simple as one team has the legitimate across-the-board quarterback edge because I think there's a couple different factors at play. But if I just ask you, would you would you agree with Daryl that the Browns have the quarterback advantage? No. In any way or just overall? I mean, they've got the veteran presence, mm-hmm. which obviously matters, especially in the postseason. But pretty much every other talent trait they have. I think there seems to be a lot of people expecting uh, Joe Flacco from the Super Bowl run in Baltimore to show up. And I mean, it could still happen. I mean, we're we're catching lightning in a bottle it, week it could, by week. But but should that be the expectation? No, like that Joe Flacco. No, like I don't I don't expect Flacco to throw for three hundred yards this week. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he can throw for three hundred yards. To me, it's more about the touchdowns. What made that Super Bowl run? Uh, so ridiculous by Joe is he is a quarterback that turns the ball over and in January and February that year he was flawless he didn't have a turn or he didn't have an interception so that's a lot to ask like I I, it's you know you and I got into this last week about about Joe Flacco and qualifying how well he had played and he has played great when you compare it to our expectations but I don't. I'll. I'll be honest. I. I don't know what to expect from either quarterback in the playoffs. One with CJ because I just don't have a frame of reference for it. Mm-hmm. And two, the last time, the last frame of reference I have for Joe Flacco in the playoffs is about a dozen years. And then the last time I've seen the best of Joe Flacco was more than a dozen years. So I think. I, I think you know Daryl was so quick to say Joe Flacco. Maybe. And I bet you, I, I listen, I'll tell you right now, I guarantee you everybody in Houston feels like they have the quarterback advantage. And I, I think they're probably closer to being right than you are. Because I think the only advantage, well, I don't want to say only because I think he has a ridiculous arm and I think CJ just makes, CJ just got a ridiculous processor on him. But like if you said who's got the stronger arm, I'd still say Joe Flacco. I think he spins one of the... I think it's proven he can still. Yeah, I mean, his, his deep balls. ball yeah. is, is as good as really anybody in the league. But like when it comes down to just the the basics, if we look at it from a talent perspective, I think C.J. Stroud is already one of the five most talented quarterbacks in the NFL because he combines his mental ability with just a really. I mean, he is athletic. He can move, although yeah. he's not a runner, um, and he he just makes damn near every throw. So if you go from a talent perspective, I don't see how we can say what a 24-year-old kid 
who is who is playing at a otherworldly level. I don't see how we can say a 39-year-old quarterback with some of the limitations that Joe has, and that's mostly just with pressure and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't see how you can say the Browns have the advantage there. I think the advantage potentially could come in experience. But the reason why I say potentially, like, who knows? Maybe Joe Flacco's the reason you win this game. I don't know that this is the game he's going to be responsible for. At some point, if you're going to make a deep playoff run, if you're going to make a Super Bowl run, Joe's going to have to win you a game. Whether it's late in the fourth quarter, whether it's he's just going to have to outgunsling another really good quarterback, law of averages states to win the next four games, he's going to have to do some things. But specific to this game, like I think it's more important that the Browns shut down and slow down C.J. Stroud mm-hmm. than it is Joe just goes out there and throws for 400 yards and five touchdowns. Like To win, you'd like both things to happen. But I just think a lot of this game from Cleveland's side of things to me is slowing down C.J. Stroud because I think, listen, I don't know how many quarterbacks I can say overall, let alone that are a rookie in the NFL, that are actually as good under pressure as they are from just a clean pocket. That to me is that's Joe Burrow. That's Pat Mahomes. That's like that's otherworldly. And listen, every elite quarterback can be beat by pressure. Even Tom Brady can be beat by pressure. But it still makes it tougher when a quarterback's really good at handling that. 216474 0092. Who has the quarterback edge in this matchup? I don't – it just comes down to I think C.J. Stroud is is to Houston what Michael Penix was to Washington. I think Michael Penix is is the number one reason that, that Washington made it to that game. And then the reason they actually stayed in that game was their defense. But, like, I think it was Penix magic that got them where to – and I, I think C.J. Stroud – it's no disrespect to D'Amico Ryans, no disrespect to the edge rushers, uh, the offensive line, Nico Collins. You know, Tank Dell isn't healthy, but that's a hell of a player. They've got some nice players. They really do. But I just, I think they're set up the way that Kansas City is and that I think Cincinnati is. I think as long as you have C.J. Stroud, and who knows, maybe when, when Bobby Sloan gets a head, uh, their offensive coordinator gets a head, head coaching job, this this changes. I think as long as you have C.J. Stroud, I think you might have a chance to win every single year. And I just don't know how we can say that a 39-year-old quarterback or soon-to-be 39-year-old quarterback is, quote-unquote, the edge over that. Like, I don't – like, talent for talent-wise, I think the Texans are the least talented team in the in the AFC playoffs. Yeah. Like, if we factor it all in, the problem is if you go just quarterback-wise – like, how many quarterbacks right now in the AFC, in the playoffs, would you legit take over C.J. Stroud? I would take Mahomes. In, in the AFC? Yes. Uh, I mean, yeah, Mahomes for sure. Josh Allen. Yep. I think Lamar probably. Lamar definitely. And then everybody else, I'd take C.J. over Tua. I'd take CJ over who am I missing? I'm missing one of the teams. Well, you got the Browns and then you've got the Steelers. Steelers. I guess that's low hanging fruit if we say I'd take him over Mason Rudolph or Joe Flacco. All right, let's go with Howard. Welcome to the show, Howard. What you got for us? Hey, Nick. Hey Dustin. Yeah, you're talking about Joe uh and you know <clears throat> CJ. Uh, I'm looking like 
maybe escapability, you know, to hedge on CJ experiences, of course, you know, Joe. But the real thing to me, guys, is going to be our cornerbacks playing the best game of the year right now. If we got that going, I think we'll be fine. Thank you very much, Howard. They say cornerbacks or quarterbacks. I couldn't tell. Hard to tell. Um, I will say this is the kind of quarterback that you worry about even against a great defense. Because even when you think you have him, you know, covered, even when you think you've got him, he can kind of wiggle out. And there is that magical ability to make plays, off-scripted plays, or or make uh, chicken salad out of chicken scratch. It's a good way to put it. Now, I think a lot of this, in the end, I think a lot of this will, and this is going into it, a lot of this is just going to depend on which Joe Flacco shows up. And I think that is like, if it's the Joe Flacco that we've seen the last five weeks of the season, C.J. Stroud's a better quarterback. If it's Joe Flacco that's closer to the Baltimore run, then it actually becomes a conversation. But going into it, there's a difference between Joe's our sentimental favorite and he's doing things nobody could expect and he's reinvigorated this team. And by the way, I still think the Browns are going to win on Sunday. But anytime you go into a playoff game and having to acknowledge the other quarterback is a it's step a scary. ahead of I yours. Mean, they, they, to me, they've got the better quarterback and they're at home. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's tough. And it's also tough. I mean, this game's going to be really weird because the Browns kicked their ass when they played them back December 24th, Christmas Eve. And they did not play, they did not have CJ Stroud. So the Browns have not ever played against CJ Stroud. Well, and I think I just, maybe some of this is coming from the fact. I think too many fans are resting on their laurels about CJ and not just fans. I mean, media are, are resting on their laurels saying, well, he's a rookie quarterback and that's going to be the neutralizer. Yeah. The other thing too, Nick, no one's really talking about is like the Texans already got a playoff belt, playoff game under their belt. When? Oh, last week to, against to, to get in. That was pretty much a playoff it game. It was a playoff game. I mean, I would say the Browns kind of did too. Uh, yeah. I was yeah. going to say the Texans game, and then I realized nobody started in that game. Never mind. Reel that one back in. Yeah, I mean, the Colts the Colts and Texans was a playoff game. But I do think, like, I, I think this is where I do give the Browns the experiential, like, the advantage overall. Because I hope you're going to say defense. Well, I I was just going to say you had one game there if you're the uh, the Houston Texans and the Browns played in probably five or six either make or break games where they needed a win or their season was going south or where they were just playing who was perceived to be a better team. Like they outside of what I know there's one more team that has more wins. I think it's Buffalo that has more wins against playoff teams. Than the Browns, but yeah, they're the Browns, five and one. The Bills are, but I think the Browns are like second in that of, of playoff teams or playoff caliber. Yeah, and, teams. And, and the Browns have already already beaten both number one seeds. Now, granted, those weren't with our quarterback. We're having a conversation here, and I, I it's interesting. Like, I don't think the 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 difference between C.J. Stroud and Joe Flacco is so significant that I think the Brown that it drastically decreases the Browns' chances of winning. The Browns are the favorite because they're the better team. But I think I just this gets back to I I just don't want to put too much on Joe. I think if if the Browns are going to make a deep playoff run, I think the best thing that can happen is that the offense is in such a way that you don't. It's not just about the deep plays. 
Because I think if if all the offense is going to be is what it was the first probably two weeks, two, three weeks Joe was here, which was deep down the field passing that had to make up for the lack of consistency and the lack of just, I think consistency is the best word, of of viable drives beyond touchdown drives, I don't think you win like that in the playoffs. I think you need a consistent offense. And to me, that's as important, which means a running game, which means the short passing game, as Joe Flacco goes all 2013 on everybody's ass. Yeah, I mean, like Flacco is not going to be... I don't think he's he's going to be like some rock star in this game. Um, if he is great, we'll take it. But like, I don't, I don't have those expectations for him. I mean, I don't want to see a shootout between him and CJ Stroud. We're going to lose every time. Well, I don't know every time, but I just CJ doesn't Most turn. Times. Well, but CJ doesn't turn the ball over, and Joe does. And so, not to oversimplify that angle of it, but yeah, I mean, if it turns into who can push the ball down the field the most, and if it turns into was it uh, Josh Allen versus Mahomes in the divisional round where Allen scores with 13 seconds to go and that's about three seconds too many to give Pat Mahomes? Yeah, I mean, that's that's just not – I don't think that's – I don't think most teams can do that with a quarterback like CJ. But I, it's weird. Like, the, the experience thing, like, here's where I think the experience does matter. Okay. Because I don't want to just discount it all the way. I think it matters when it comes to he knows what to expect – We've already seen that he can have a bad half of football and bounce back and be electric late in the game like he was in the Chicago game. So, like, I I think his personality aids. As a matter of fact, I actually think both quarterbacks are emotionally and mentally equipped for, this, for a playoff game because they're both kind of the same guy in every situation. They don't get too high. They don't get too low. Yeah. That's where the playoff experience matters to me. But I, I think too many people are thinking back to – one run by Joe Flacco, which to this point is the anomaly in his career. He played well in uh, in in January and February overall, but his most complete performance that was a one shot deal to this point. To expect to expect that from him, because to me that's when you have the quarterback advantage. Like if Joe can play like he did in 2013, that means you don't just have an advantage over um, C.J. Stroud because what you're doing is he's he's making every play, he's throwing for 300 yards, and he's not turning the ball over. That means he can keep up with any quarterback in the NFL. I don't think it's fair to Joe to expect that. And honestly, if the Browns need that, that's probably a little bit worrisome because you're built for this defense to thrive. 216-474-0092. Who has the quarterback advantage in this matchup? Let's go with Jeff. Jeff, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got? Hello, Jeff. Hefe. I really thought this was the moment. Are we turned up over there, Kayla? Kayla's looking at it. We got that. All right. Let's go with Halim. Oh, good Lord. Halim, welcome to the show. Good talking to you, fellas. Um, Likewise. I, I, disagree, I disagree a little bit with what you're saying in, in the regard of if it's a shootout and we're just going Stroud against um, Flacco that – we're more we're more likely to lose if they are one dimensional against our defense, and they our defense can pin their ears back. It is game over for them. If they cannot run the ball against us semi consistently, they're going to be in really deep trouble. If you look at the teams that beat us this year, they could run pretty darn well. Denver, we had a hard time with the run. The Rams, we had a hard time with the run, and we decided we could stop the run again after those two games. But the Ravens ran the ball well. 
if you cannot run the ball against us or if you can't just leak out of the pocket, any team in the NFL is going to be in deep trouble. The 49ers proved that. We stopped the run against them, and we beat them with a fourth-string quarterback. I think I think the, the running game for, for the Texans, which has been a disappointment. Damian Pierce, they thought, was going to take a huge jump this year. He is not to this point. I think it's uh, Montgomery's a nice back. He's not a, a, a bell cow back. I think I think the thing is, even if they're one dimensional, C.J. Stroud has five interceptions this year. And and in fairness, I don't think C.J. has truly played a lot of the defenses the Browns have. And I thank you for the call there, um, Helene. But I, it's one of those things where I expect the Browns to win. I expect Joe Flacco to play reasonably well. But I don't know for certain. I can say the Browns are going to own C.J. Stroud in this one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that they're going to own him, but I do think they're going to create some problems. I, I liked what I saw from the the uh, uh, the Colts defense there on was it Saturday night? Time's a flat circle. Last yes, last it week, is last weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, where they sort of held their own against C.J. and you know he had to make a couple plays late and. Listen, heck, if that kid was a Goodson makes that catch on fourth and one, they probably lose that game. It was a good chance they lose that game. I mean, Flacco has played fifteen playoff games. Mm-hmm. When was when was the most recent one? It was in fourteen. Twenty fourteen. Yeah, that season he played two. And by the way, and by the one of those playoff numbers, what's that for his career? He's got an eighty-eight point six rating, thirty-two hundred yards, twenty-five touchdowns, ten picks. That's a good regular season. Yeah. Yeah, you take that in the regular season. Let's go real quick here with uh, Josh. Josh, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got? So I think that we have the advantage with Flacco. The reason being, the last time he won a Super Bowl, he was at 90.2, I believe it was, uh, for, I can't remember what stat, but he at that right now. He has the ability to look down the field. We have other players the injury list that, they're going to be double-teaming them that are going to leave people like Njoku and others open. We are just starting to get our running game back, I believe, too. So I feel that we have the advantage with him as our quarterback. So I think if we just go quarterback to quarterback, Josh, I appreciate you, buddy. Um, I think Joe has the advantage. Experience. I think CJ has the advantage. Now, when it comes to who do I think is the better team, I think it's clear it's the Browns. And that's not knowing what we're going to get from the run game. So it's funny, man. Like, I, I think they're in a good spot. They're in a really good spot. They should win this game. I think for Browns fans, don't get caught sleeping on C.J. Stroud. It's like the bigger takeaway that I would have. Let's go with Jeff. Real quick, Jeff. We got about 30 seconds. What you got? Okay, yeah, so I think you guys, you're giving C.J. Strauss too much credit, man. This guy is going to go to school Saturday. The Cleveland Browns defense is going to take him to school. When Miles Garrett uh, bull rushes guys and hit him, we'll see how uh, accurate his deep ball is then. But he's going to school. Welcome to the Cleveland School of Professional Football. Go Browns. Jeff, very fired up there. I don't think, yeah. that's, a, I don't think that's a legitimate educational establishment. I, but think, I, I think that would be a call that Ken Carmen would like. Yeah, he would. Yeah, he would have loved that Monday morning. Would have really loved that at Monday yeah. about 620. Might have brought him back off the straw man of saying that uh, that nobody was excited about the, the Browns and that uh, everybody was basically being a wet blanket. Michigan Wolverines are the national champions of college football. And that brings us to our next guest. 
of the college foot. Well, sorry, of the sporting news, college football senior writer. Uh, listen, let's be real honest about this. He was in Houston last night. There could be some jet lag at play here, but he's always a trooper, and he joins us now. Bill Bender on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Bill, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm fresh. Yeah, I'm in the CMH airport. I just picked up my luggage. I'll, I'll try to keep the noise down as best I can. I like that promise. I trust you. We trust you. The show trusts you. I want to. I'm just curious. Were Were you surprised by the results last night of of Michigan handedly defeating Washington for the national title? No, not really, because. It reminded me a little bit of Ohio State and Oregon in, in 14-15 when you knew that that was the better team up front and the two early touchdown runs by Donovan Edwards got them going. Now, Washington adjusted and made it tight. It was a tight game, but I just felt like Michigan had an answer for them. They, they made Michael Penix uncomfortable. You know, with that, even when they weren't landing on the pass rush, they were getting close to landing. I think his his clock, um, you know, his timing was a little bit off. When people talk about this this season in in Michigan overall, you know, fifteen and zero national champions and all these things, I, I again, I'm a Buckeye. Um, I don't look at it as a season that's tainted, as some fans do, certainly here in Ohio. How do you look at it? Um, you know, the, I've kind of stuck with the. The Connor Stallions on the Central Michigan sideline part is the most troublesome to me. It's the one that, you know, if that actually happened, um, by all, I mean, we all have two eyes, right? That one bothers me a little bit. The rest of it is, uh, you know, they were a really good team, and it's almost like they didn't need to do that because they had built the talent. They had the right players. They had good senior leaders. I don't think it's an asterisk type thing, but I do think it's something much like Spygate or Deflategate that is going to follow them whenever we mention that team. It will. It, I just put it this way: it'll always be part of the story, but it's definitely not the whole story for me either. Bill Bender on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline: uh, Is it fait accompli that Harbaugh is going back to the NFL? It feels like. I mean, that was with that, with no sourcing, but just the general feeling around Houston was that was going to happen. And the number of deflections that Jim Harbaugh gave made it kind of, you know, I, I can picture him on a Chargers sideline. Now, as unpredictable as he is, you know, if J.J. McCarthy says, hey, I'm staying, if the NCAA backs off a little bit and maybe these uh, investigations, I won't say go away, but carry light penalties maybe he stays but i'm with you i think he does go to the nfl he goes he's talked so much about chasing that super bowl and he's always been a better fit on the sideline as an nfl coach even though he's a better coach for the college game there's no question we need guys that you need characters you need guys college football bill whose legacy in time will look the best but just in football in general, Jim Harbaugh or Urban Myers? Oh boy, man, you're, you're, that's a. I just got off the plane. That's a tough question <laughs> to get off the plane to. Um, Urban probably because if you look at his winning percentage, it's ridiculous. It's top five all time uh, in college. Now, right now, Jim Harbaugh has a top five winning percentage in four years in the NFL. 
or five years with the NFL when he was with the Niners. So, but I think Urban with the three national championships, the two and three, again, though, much like Jim, there's always something that you have to mention as part of the story, whether it was how he was suspended at Ohio State and the reasons why and the arrest at Florida. It's always like a tagline. But to me, it doesn't diminish the success and the program building and the NFL talent development that Urban Meyer did. And, and quite frankly, he's amazing. I hope he doesn't go back to college of the NFL because he's an amazing analyst for the game now. Bill, looking to the results of last night, that has led uh, that has led a lot of Ohio State fans to panic. And, and honestly, it's really just been any chance, a, anything that bubbles up that could be perceived as negative uh, for Ohio State or positive for Michigan has given Ohio State fans to to really a chance to panic ever since they lost the third straight game back in November to Michigan. I'm just curious right now because uh, some Ohio State fans thinks it's the uh, it's a Grand Canyon. How big of a gap is there between Ohio State and Michigan? Oh, not not a huge gap at all. I, I don't think. Not a, there's not a talent gap. There maybe is a, an attitude gap on some in, on some level. I don't even know if that's the right phrase. It's just Michigan. I go back to 2019 and, and being in Ann Arbor and Ohio State beat them handily. And, and Justin Fields afterwards said, "We take it more seriously than they do." And I remember that he, he, J.K. Dobbins said, hey, yeah, I would back that up. Well, Michigan takes it pretty serious now. That's pretty clear. And the rivalry's on even footing. It feels like the, the car trestle years on some level. I mean, nothing knows about that. Like, where when car and trestle were going back and forth, Michigan was not a, like, vastly inferior team. Ohio State won the game because of a handful of plays, then there was just that little bit of difference between the two. Maybe I'm off on saying that, but I, I really think that was the case back then as it is now. Bill, uh, late last night after the game, um, Buckeye fans, Buckeye Nation got the news that uh, Quinshawn Judkin excuse me, is transferring from Old Miss, the SEC's leading rusher. Um, I guess that the question bears, you know, what happens to Trevion Henderson? Uh, does he stay? Does he leave? I mean, what's what's going to happen here? Well, I mean, Quinshaw Judkins is a very good football player. He was doing that at Ole Miss the last two years. Uh, he runs hard. He runs through contact. He'll bring an element to the running game that maybe Ohio State's missed a little bit. And, and not Travion's fault. Like, Travion had injuries, but injuries happen. It's not like, you know, I would defend him a little bit because when he was in there, especially this season – the attitude of the running game changed a lot. So, you know, whatever Travion decides to do, I think he was a valuable piece in Ohio State's running game. But, but Quinshaw's the real deal. I mean, he was an All-American for us two years ago. Uh, he, if we would have had a third team, he would have been a third-team All-American this year. He's one of the best running backs in the country, and it's certainly going to add to what Ohio State has. An interesting backfield with Will Howard and Quinshaw Judkins, no doubt. I actually want to get to there. Just, you know, in terms of Ohio State trying to reload here, there's been some thought that Kyle McCord is a better quarterback than Will Howard. I think that's nonsense. And then obviously the the, the Judkins and, and Henderson and Dallas Hayden, all this stuff. I'm just curious, a quarterback, is, is Will Howard going to be better next year for Ohio State than Kyle McCord was this last year? Um, Maybe. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I I mean, it's not a huge gap. It's 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 
his mobility, the ability to design runs will be a difference maker. Will Howard was in an offense where he ran the football. I was talking to um, one of my colleagues at CBS Sports, uh, Sheehan, and he does a good job, by the way. He, he told me, you know, a lot of those runs were designed. And I think that's a, a, an added element to Ohio State's offense that we've kind of been clamoring for. Remember when we were complaining that C.J. Stroud didn't run enough? And then you throw on top of that, he can throw it a little bit. Yeah, I would say he's an upgrade. And it's going to be interesting to see how their running game evolves. Their their offense is going to no doubt change a little bit because when you bring in two players like Howard and Quinshot, I don't think it's going to be a – you know, they're still going to pass, but I think the way they pass is going to be a little bit different. They'll lean on the run a little bit more. And, you know, I just watched Michigan win a national championship averaging eight yards a carry and piling up 303 rushing yards. Bill, I know you got a scoop, man. We appreciate the time. Uh, just real fast, one more, 30 seconds or less. Uh, Mike Vrabel is out as Titans head coach. A lot of Buckeye Nation fans are uh, very fascinated by by the idea of Mike Vrabel. Um, is there any thought that he could be potentially a coach at Ohio State? Not, not saying this year, but maybe next year if he sits a year out. Man, if he decides to sit out of the NFL, that's going to be another layer to this with uh, Ryan Day because it's the pressure amps up, they go nine and three or something and, and somehow lose to Michigan again, that talk will get very loud. I do think Mike Vrabel will find another job in the NFL, though. That's just an early read. But, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I, I, that was the first thing I saw on the plane when I got on it. I couldn't believe that happened. That was the Black Monday or Tuesday surprise that I didn't expect to see. Bill, always great to talk with you, man. Thanks for your time. I know you got a busy schedule here, buddy. We appreciate you. Hey, no problem. Thanks so much for having me. Take care. Thank you so much. Bill Bender there. The most unrealistic part of this conversation to me is the people who just expect just because Vrabel got fired today that that means Ohio State would turn around and fire Ryan Day immediately. Yeah, I mean, if you do that, that changes a lot of things because there's a lot of players that are um, you know, coming to Ohio State that are there at Ohio State that would leave Ohio State because of Ryan Day. And so... Uh, I don't see Ryan Day not coaching Ohio State next year, and I don't. I think, frankly, I think that'd be a mistake for for the Buckeyes to move on from him at this point in time. But again, to Bill's point, if they go nine and three or you know lose to Michigan again and and all that all that jazz, I, I think certainly it's on the table. Do you know why I think Buckeyes some Buckeye fans are so insistent on it? It's because they know that if Rabel gets a new head coaching job first in the NFL, that train's gonna sail. Yeah, because he's not leaving some other team in the NFL next year. Yeah, after and, one season. Or, or honestly, I, I don't know that if he gets a second job, unless unless the wheels came off in the NFL, and I don't know, like he has such high praise from his players, and he won in such a difficult situation in Tennessee, that I just don't know that's going to happen. Like I, I, I don't, I don't know why we get it into our heads that this is the one moment you're going to have to get a premier coach at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And, and like, that's the, like, meaning, like, I understand if you, oh, man, it'd be great if he was around next November. That's a fair point. If you say, if he's still, if, if he decides to take a year off for whatever reason and Ryan Day struggles next year, it absolutely is a conversation. Honestly, if you're Ryan Day, you are praying that Mike Vrabel gets another head coaching job in this coaching cycle so you don't have to deal with that heat. Even if he doesn't want to come back, it doesn't matter. It's the perceived heat that you would have. But, like, by and large, why are we doubting that if if Ryan Day does flame out at Ohio State, 
that they, they they couldn't find like a really good head coach. Like, and this is kind of like the Michigan thing. Like, honestly, I think in Michigan it's tougher because you know if Harbaugh goes off to the NFL, I mean, I go I go get Dan Lanning tomorrow. I go get Dan Lanning. Kalen DeBoer, I think, is a real dude. I think you saw that. Like, Michigan was the far superior team, and that game was a lot more competitive than we thought it was going to be, given that Michael Penix Jr was mostly a non-factor in that game and looked scared for most of that game. So, like, I, I, you could say any name, by the way. There's no name. Like, Ohio State is Bama. It is Texas. It is um, USC, although USC financially is not USC from 20 years ago. But it is a it is a job that if any coach out there that isn't also at one of those schools, you can get and that we didn't even mention like Ohio State guys. Hartline would have a say in a job. He'd have, he'd have a shot, yeah. Uh Luke Fickle would have a shot, depending on what happens in Wisconsin Good this point. year. Like and by the way, you realize that n- almost nobody else in college football has that ability, right? Well, I'd, I'd give Mike Norvell a look. <laughs> I don't know. He he battle bug- Florida State things just just baffles me. Yeah. Well, so what I didn't like how the thing ran early. He ran off a lot of really good football players. And, and then that, he got a lot of really good ones in the portal. Well, the portal kind of saved his ass. And well, the portal is very important. The portal is very important. Somebody should tell Dabo Sweeney that. Somebody should make a, sh- a shirt that says the portal's life. Mm. I think maybe the Nick and Dusty shirt company. Yeah. I, I think we'd be, I think with all the bits Someone's we do. Someone's already got to have that out there. With, with, all the bits we do, with all the bits we do, we should have like a company on standby to make merch for us. You're just trying to get more shirts in your closet. Hey, come on. No, I'm trying to get more people in uh, more more shirts in other people's closet and more money in your in, in bank our account. pockets. Yeah. Yes. We cut you in, Keith. Don't worry. We'll give you a good five percent. Ooh, the assassin line. Oh my god. Can you imagine Keith with his own his own line? It'd just be medium shirts, khakis. With shirts that say, I don't have to ask my bosses. <laughs> just different flexes. Just uh, be like affirmational flexes, and also like his trolling of Ken. That we would just put tweets that he sent or texts that he sent Ken and Lima, and us. Let's be fair; he trolls us too. Brought to you by Parkex. Brought to you. By- <laughs> um, I'm I'm fascinated with the idea of Rabel to anywhere. I'm not really that fascinated of Rabel to Columbus. Just I'm not. Next year becomes a conversation, but at the moment. Not there yet. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction from Ohio State fans. I think so. How about this video, Connor Stallions? Yeah, fill the people in. I, I again, I you see stuff on social media all the time. You never know if it's accurate, like accurately depicted about like when the time was. Mm-hmm. I assume this was last night during the national championship game, and this came out was one of the barstool accounts, and they said, "Will Connor Stallions ever buy a drink in Michigan ever again?" And he's like sitting there with his girlfriend, and like people are just buying him buckets of beer and they're dapping him up. It's not Uncle T, is it? That's not that's not, that guy's not made a return, is it? Uncle T probably bought the whole tab. Yeah, that's that's probably fair. Um, not a great look if you're Michigan, by the way. Like if you're Michigan fans, like yesterday. I, actually, I want to react to the Harbaugh thing in a moment, but like. Your name has been drugged through the mud. Like, I don't I don't think you should celebrate Connor Stallions. You don't have to, like, ostracize him. Like, he's already got fired. Yeah, he already lost his remember, job. Like, he's a young dude. Like, how old is he? Like, 25, 24? Could be 26. Could be 27. He just graduated from Navy, like, a year ago. Yeah. 
So, like, you don't have to ostracize the guy, but maybe don't make videos of yourself buying him beer and say, hey, we owe it to you, buddy. It's all you, bro. Kind of look like trash bags. Like, honestly, if Ohio State did that, if, if the, the shoe was on the other foot, one, I wouldn't care about sign stealing just as much as I don't care about now. But two, if, if Ohio State fans came out and did the same thing, we'd rip the hell out of them. Like, I honestly think it's pretty hilarious and have no problem with it. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, is it is it a case for you that you won a national championship so you can pretty much get away with anything right now? I don't know if it's that. I mean, I just... I just understand what happens in college football and, and just football in general. Like you're always trying to get an edge. And I mean, did he cross the line by going on the sidelines of central Michigan? Yeah, probably. But like, how do we know that like Alabama hasn't done that or Ohio state hasn't done that? Like just because you get caught doesn't mean like that it doesn't happen other places. I also think the weird thing about this is I don't, I don't think Nick that Connor stallions is the reason that Michigan won the national championship. Actually, I think it's funny because we had the tainted conversation earlier. Do you actually think the Stallions thing by winning that they vindicated themselves? Dude, they played like six games without Harbaugh this year. Yeah. Well, and the Ohio State game without Harbaugh. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's funny we're on this topic here before we get to the Harbaugh thing. Like, I I do think... I, I do think that in the end, like the the best thing you can do if you're Michigan Listen, is there just will win. be people. Now again, people. it depends what happens because like this is what I've dealt with with Miami fans right throughout the years. So like in 2003, we beat the Hurricanes, won the national championship, and since then Miami has been nothing. Like mm-hmm. there are shirts out there that I think Eleven Warriors make that says "We broke the U," <laughs> which are phenomenal shirts, by the way. Um, yeah, so like they have been irrelevant for 20 years mm-hmm. that's not going to happen with ohio state or michigan yeah they're not going to go to being irrelevant not irrelevant i honestly i don't even think they could do what texas or usc went where texas became like a 10 win or sorry usc became like a 10 win team or like a nine win team and they got coaches fired every four years i don't it's not that it's not possible i just don't think it's likely at ohio state and I, honestly, I think it's more likely at Michigan. Yeah. I, I I think Michigan is on the cusp of a really important decision. You and I both agree Harbaugh's going to the NFL. And that that just feels like fait accompli. I think, I think it's like when the Steelers moved on from Bill Cowher. I think if you ace the hiring, if you hire the right guy, you're set up for the next decade. And Ohio State, Michigan's going to be... It, it, this is as well positioned as... this is. This is their born on third base. That's what this could be if you if you hire the right guy. If you hire the wrong guy, I think Michigan I, I just I just think it's tougher to win at Michigan than it is Ohio State. I think I think this is the duality of the Ryan Day conversation. I think it is much easier to win at Ohio State. And when I say win, I'm talking about clearing the bar of eleven wins a year. Whereas obviously the trickiest win is the Michigan win. But I thought it was wild last night. People had problems. Do we have the Harbaugh audio of of him defending? I'm just bringing this up on air if we don't have it. But basically last night, you know, he was kind of being grilled about whether or not there's remorse or whether or not the sign-stealing thing mattered at all. And the response to it to me was maybe the funniest thing. We we Earlier in the show, we did play Harbaugh talking about what he's going to do in the future. Well, then here's Harbaugh. He was basically being grilled about Michigan and the sign stealing and all that. And 
people got really pissed about this comment. Off the field issues, we're innocent. And we stood strong and tall because we knew we were innocent. I just like to point that out. And these guys, these guys are innocent. Overcome that. It wasn't that hard because we, we knew we were innocent. So people have reacted to that and been like, oh, you're innocent? Is that why Harbaugh was suspended six games? You're innocent? Is that why you fired Chris Partridge? Guys, guilty people don't admit they're guilty. That's just, it very rarely does it ever work out that Har- way. Do you think Harbaugh's going to win the national championship and come out and be like, yeah, man, we are such good cheaters. Yeah, we are. Hey, guys, I just want to say thank you for being so gullible. And so it was just so easy to pull the wool over all your eyes. Like, and, and by the way, he actually believes it. Like, I really think, I think in my heart of hearts, Jim Harbaugh thinks they didn't do a damn thing wrong. And we can debate that until the end of time. I tend to think that while it is a transgression, it is a pretty small transgression when you consider the amount of sign stealing and road scouting that goes on. I bet you there is a Connor Stallions at damn near every program in in, in the uh, in in the NCAA. Yeah, and by the way, like I've got like a little inside knowledge on this too. Like the, the Stallions was was doing a lot of this kind of on his own. Well. <laughs> I, th- I feel like it's, like, the difference between, like... I talked to some people that know him very close that were at Navy with him, mm-hmm. and that was sort different of... Different cat. Yeah, just a different dude. Man. But, like, even then, like, did you expect him to win a national title and go, whew, thank God I didn't get caught? No. Did you guys, did you guys read the uh, Brett McMurphy stuff last night? No. Last night, he, re- he wrote a story about Michigan winning the title and just everything around the national title. And he said, nobody knows what the penalties await for Michigan, but he talked to an Alabama official last week at the Rose Bowl. And I did the see Alabama this. Official, I saw this snippet. Go ahead, Keith. Yeah, the Alabama official said, look, everyone, and I mean everyone, is stealing signs. Michigan was not the only school doing this. Kansas basketball cheats more than anyone, and they do it. They didn't do anything to Kansas. The only pure thing in college athletics is Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt sucks. Ouch. Okay. I mean, he's not wrong about Vanderbilt, but, Man. like, take it easy on Clark down there. Uh I, I I gotta say I think a lot of national media members or even like Big Ten kind of level media members like Greg Doyle are talking out their ass. I, I think the pearl clutching with Michigan winning and Harbaugh not standing up, Harbaugh standing and saying we're we've been exonerated, we're we're innocent. I think is low hanging fruit, and I don't think it's entirely interesting. I I think Michigan is vindicated by winning the national championship. I seem to have upset uh, Brian on Twitter who called uh, my statement about the vindication of Michigan and the sign-stealing scandal, uh, saying it was absolute BS, claiming uh, scum is vindicated by... (laughs) The scum thing just doesn't do it for me. Because you you just put an SC in front of the University of Michigan. Like, it's pretty weak. Listen, in fairness, the worst part of the Ohio State-Michigan feud at this point is everything other than them referring us referring to them as the school up north or them referring to us as Ohio. Like yeah, that's man, cool. I'll, I'll I'll be playful with the team up north and, and all that stuff, but I mean, I'm not I'm not blocking out like the M's on my Twitter account. Yeah, it's a li- it's, well honestly, I'm just too lazy. But getting back to his central thesis saying they bleeping cheated and everyone knows it. Every single one of their accomplishments comes with an asterisk the size of a Houston Astros trash can. Uh, one, there there isn't an astro there's an, an asterisk on the Astros. Say that 
There what's, is no, what's, what sort of Astro? There is no asterisk on the Astros. Nope. Not trying it again. Um, two, I think this just comes down to how much you actually care about the sign stealing. And I, I don't, uh, all due respect to Brian, it's, it's certainly your prerogative to be upset by it. I just am not. That's not why, th- guys, did you not watch last night's game? They were the superior team in the trenches, maybe in all of college football. They went they they went up against Bama and overpowered them in the trenches. And Jalen Milrow is not a perfect quarterback. It doesn't matter. They made him look like the worst version of Jalen Milrow. And last night they took a, a, a Heisman Trophy finalist, a guy who easily could have won the Heisman Trophy, and I think a guy who should have won it. But that's and my. I my think opinion. he probably should have won it too. Um, and made him look like a very mediocre. Um, group of five quarterback. I just I don't think it mattered that much. I really don't. I I think I think this team overcame more. I don't know why it's so hard to give them credit. That's not, not now. I'm not speaking specifically to Brian, but like you can say like like you mentioned, you respect Jim Harbaugh. I don't know how you come through this and look at what the guy's done, and now San Diego State as a head coach, Stanford as a head coach. It was, I think it was San Diego, wasn't it? I think you're right. San Diego, then Stanford, then San Francisco in the NFL, now Michigan. And if he goes back to the NFL, guys, I, I think he's going to win again. Like, I think he's just a great head coach. So I I just can't really be that upset. Like I, I can be concerned about Ohio State's direction. I mean, the guy would probably have a, a Super Bowl victory had, it, had the lights not gone out. I'm just going to ask yeah. you guys, if he goes to the NFL, say he takes the Chargers job of all jobs, mm-hmm. how many years until he's in the AFC title game? I would say... That's in like the next few years. I would say two years tops. I was going to say two years. Uh, especially in that case, if he goes to a place where the quarterback is already... like, If he's got pick, like a top 10 quarterback, like he, he'll be there. Yeah, like, like honestly, okay, I, I've used... Buffalo with with what's going on with Sean McDermott. I've used that a few times. Um, I think if you put either Mike Vrabel or Jim Harbaugh as the head coach, I would I would say they have a significantly better chance next year of being in the AFC title game than if they bring back Sean McDermott. And maybe that take doesn't age well. Maybe they yeah, McDermott's a, a really good coach, but like he's not Harbaugh. Yeah. Well, and they just hadn't gotten him to the and, and, and got him all, over the hump. And also, like Harbaugh's been a head coach a lot longer than. Sean McDermott. Well, and in in different environments, right? That just to yeah, me is mean, so it, rare. Yeah, and the thing too is like Harbaugh coached in college. He's coaching the pros now. He's back in college, and so the thing about coaching the pros now is you're dealing with different personalities than it was 15 years ago. Like you ask, who was it we talked about today, Keith? That was talking about. Um, oh, it was uh, Mike Mike Smith, right? Who said I can't coach these days because the kids are different. Mm-hmm. Well, Harbaugh knows how to relate to young people. Yeah. And, and veterans, because he's done he's done it all. Kind of alarmingly that he can relate to that many generations people of act football like, players. People act like he can't relate. I mean, he yeah. 100% relates. I Actually, I think – so I think what works works for Harbaugh is he's a bit of a Martian, but I think he leans into it. I think he's a Martian around the media. I bet he's a bit of a goober. I, 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 goober you, makes it seem heavy-handed. Do you read some of the jokes that they said the players that were going into the Rose Bowl? They were interviewing some of the players the week of the game, mm-hmm. and he was doing the uh, some of the jokes that we can't say on the air. Yeah, players said he says them all the time. Huh. <laughs> uh, D something, as it were. Um, here's the question I wanted to ask Ohio State fans, 
And I want you to be honest with yourself, and I want you to be honest with us, but you can give us a call, 216-474-0092. Is an Ohio State fan, do you want Jim Harbaugh to leave? Oh, I do. Why? Because he's really good. I just got this rivalry back. And I know that there weren't a lot of blowouts. No, no listen, granted, the- I, I wouldn't mind being able to, um, you know, give Ryan Day another shot at, at Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. Number one, if he doesn't win, then we get our new coach. And number two, if he does win, then we just beat the defending national champions. So for me, I hate the other guy leaving on a high note. Like I, I know, I know Jim Trestle didn't necessarily leave on a high note because of the the stupid tattoo gate, but like he left having kicked your ass for a decade. Urban Meyer left having completely demoralized you as a football program, including beating Jim Harbaugh. I mean, just damn near every second he possibly could with uh, in in Ann Arbor or sorry in uh, when he was in Columbus. So like. Jim Harbaugh leaving without Ryan Day or uh, without Ohio State uh, avenging this last three years, yeah. It it almost gives him him the leg up, like, yep. Oh, it's the ultimate bleep you. Well, and I do think, like, it cheapens the idea of beating Michigan next year, even if Sharon Moore's the heir apparently just takes over and, and goes off. But I think more than that, like, psychologically, I think Ohio State fans need to beat Jim Harbaugh. And so I think there's a lot of people out there who would say, just get him out of here. I think that's the ultimate loser mentality. I really do. I I think if you I think if you have if you if your thought is just get him out of here because we can't beat him, to me, that's that's again, that's the same logic that the defeated Michigan teams used forever. Like, I don't care if Jim Tressel really should get fired for this or should get walked out of the building. He kicks the crap out of us and I don't want to play him anymore. That like I remember those takes from Michigan fans. Is that were we on air when that happened? I know we we're on air when Urban got the job. Were we on air when when Tress got fired? Because I I definitely remember hearing no, Michigan fans. I was fans. in Columbus. So, but I definitely remember Michigan fans not wanting any part of Jim Tressel and didn't care how he, how he went out. I care, man. Yeah, that was like 2010, right? Yeah. And we launched in. I think late it happened on a holiday. Yeah. I remember going in on like a Monday holiday. Good lord. But no, I I. I don't want Jim Harbaugh to leave. Was that Martin Luther King Day? It's a simpler time. I remember. I remember I was like not even in media at the time, and I went on SportsCenter. Nice. I think you started out too high there. You got to bring it down a little bit. Yeah, right. Right? I don't know that was that great on it. Little did you know, 12 years later, you'd be working on this slap ass. Poor bastard. And then they brought me on outside the lines. Yeah. That wasn't great. It was uh, Memorial Day. Memorial, Memorial Day. Day, yeah. Very close to each other in the calendar. May. Now, I, I just don't want I, – I, that's the number one reason why I don't want Jim Harbaugh to leave. And I, I, think, I think it's embarrassing if you're an Ohio State fan saying we can't beat him. I think that shows a fragility. And honestly, this isn't an Ohio State problem. I think it shows a fragility – in blue Fragile. blood fans. that must be italian but in uh in blue blood fans you you lost 3 games in a row guys that's nothing in the history of this rivalry it's 3 years you can get it this isn't and and again it's not Ryan Day or sorry it's not John Cooper 
It's not the end of the Earl Bruce era. It's not the pre-Woody Hayes era where, uh, was it, Fielding Yost kicked your ass for like 30 years? There's some Michigan coach from like the aughts to like the 40s that just beat that booty. 216-474-0092. As an Ohio State fan, do you want Jim Harbaugh to leave? Let's go with Jim. Welcome to the show, Jim. Hey, guys. Uh, I don't care if he leaves or he doesn't leave. Look, I, my point initially was going to be, you know what? Let the Michigan fans, let them celebrate the cheating. There's no cheating. Look, they're the winners. Anybody that's complaining about they can just point to him like, yeah, you're a loser. You lost. That's what we would have done. It's what winners do. But, Nick, I don't think you're being honest here when you're talking about, you're like, oh, I just got the rivalry back. You're not a fan. That'd be like, you would never say that about Pittsburgh. You would never be like, oh, I wish Pittsburgh and the Browns were good at the same time and they'd go back and forth winning and lose. No, you don't. Well, no, 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 I did want, no, Jim, for, for like 20 years, I did want the Browns and Steelers rivalry back when they were putting boots to your ass for 20 straight years. True. But you know what I'm saying? You would never say that about the Steelers. You'd never be like, I really wish the Steelers were better so that the Browns and them would alternate going, you know, winning back and forth. Nobody really wants that. You want to pound your, you want to pound your rival every time you play them. Yeah. I beat their teeth then. Okay. So one, I actually disagree with you. Like I think I, I, I'm envious of Baltimore and Pittsburgh for the last 20 years. I miss Brady Hook. I'll be honest. You do? You, you miss uh, uh, the, 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 the futility of Michigan for 15 years. Jim, thanks for the call, buddy. Yeah. That's weak sauce. Weak sauce? Yeah, I no, I I'm sorry. There's something about a and I think. Listen, all due respect to the Pittsburgh Cleveland rivalry or the the Pittsburgh Baltimore rivalry. Well, from like '85 to '97, they won like 11 of 12 games. Well, yeah, but like to me, the best moment was actually it was uh, it was Trestle versus Lloyd Carr, where it felt like I love, I love Grandpa Lloyd. I can't hate him, Michigan man. I actually love Lloyd. Lloyd was, uh, yeah, I told you the story, right? I, I went on a visit up there. I, I did not know that, no. And they offered Lloyd, I sat in Lloyd's office. He offered me a scholarship, and he says, there'd be nothing better than going to Columbus with a fox in maize and blue. So which one of your uncles said you're not going to do that? All of them. All of them? His grandson's going to Notre Dame. Good quarterback. Lloyd is that Carr. the same? Is that the same grandson? Lloyd Carr's grandson, CJ yeah. Carr. No way. That's pretty cool. I like Lloyd Carr a lot. But no, getting back to it, no, I don't miss that at all. No. I, I think there's there's nothing worse than being in a rivalry that's one sided. It's cool for like a couple years, but like in a there's one game. There's one game a year. And when that game is either fails to be compelling or when it's one sided, it loses its luster. Like honestly, the best thing about Ohio State and Michigan, or Ohio State winning three straight or uh, losing three straight times, is the games have actually still been compelling. If these had been blowouts, good God, it'd be horrendous. So like I, I walked, I, I watched the show Succession. Mm-hmm. You watch it? Uh no, but I I know the references. Okay, it's a good show. Mm-hmm. It's a really good show. So it's one of those things where I really like Billions, and when Succession came out. I know there, similar. there are people who, who feel like Succession is the better show, but it's already it's kind of already in line with Billions, and I was like, I think I've seen enough wealthy a-holes. Yeah, but Billions is more based off of Wall Street. Billions is, yeah. I mean, the Succession's based off of uh, Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. Yeah, and Fox. But uh, anyway, I, I didn't know Kieran McCulkin was the kid in Home Alone that played Fuller. You didn't know that? No. 
No, they look so much alike. It just one's got darker even, hair. I wasn't even thinking that though. There's there's a whole tribe of Culkins out there. All the Culkins. Yeah, they've got there's like uh, there's Rory who was it, like he was a kid in Signs, like the little boy in Signs. Did I just blow your mind? Were, were their parents just like putting these kids out there to like auditions every day? Turns out, yeah. Turns yeah. out, not right, Bob. But like, I think they have an older sister that was an actor. There, I think there might have been a fourth Culkin. Oh, sorry, sorry, fifth Culkin, fourth Culkin son. Yeah, there's just a bunch of little Culkins running around just acting their asses off. Well, Kieran just got a Golden Globe. Yeah. for the uh, the role he plays in Succession. It does make you wonder if he's finally become the more successful. I mean, at this point, he is. Yeah, because because Macaulay just doesn't act. Macaulay Culkin is is just chilling on that Home Alone money. Yeah, bro. And Man, I, I'm, sh- I'm sure that that Home Alone money ain't, ain't bad. Yeah. It, so there's a couple older ones, but there's seven siblings total. And if, Macaulay is 43. You didn't know that? No. And honestly, he actually, it's so funny because he looks so much older than we remember. But, and he finally started to look like he's a 30 year old man. He still looks way younger than most 43 year olds. Gotta say, though, man, for a movie that came out, what? In what, like 1989? I think it was 1990. Or 1990. The first Home Alone, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. first Home Alone. There's not many movies from like the early 90s that hold up as well as that does. It's the perfect movie. It's like the perfect movie. You have ever And if you if you ever figure out, if, if you ever watched the movies that made us? No. It was the most dysfunctional process to get that movie made. You know what's crazy about that? I did see something the other day on... Again, my Instagram algorithms, they provide me with certain things. Yeah. And one, one of Specific them. Specific set of content. Yes. But no, I, I saw this this account. It was a video talking about how they made that movie. Mm-hmm. You know they made the house out of a high school gym swimming pool? I think I did know that. They, yeah. built, they built it in a high school gym swimming pool because they flooded the basement. Yep. And like the school was, I don't know if it was abandoned or something or whatever. It was, or whatever. It doesn't matter. But they built the house in the swimming pool. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yes. And I just got to say, you were talking about it holding up. It's also one of the best cast movies of all time. 100%. Like Catherine O'Hara. Like, here's the thing. Catherine O'Hara became a star. Like, she was a star then. I mean, and then she becomes an even bigger star with Bleep's Creek. A sign of a really fun movie. And all kinds of other stuff. A really fun movie is if you change the focal point one person over, how if the movie would still be cool. Yeah. If you made that from his dad's point of view, and we actually knew his dad, his dad gets jobbed. John Hurd was a great actor, and he's just kind of token '80s dad in Token's that movie. Token '80s dad a hole, and um, apparently works for the mob. That's speculation, but I think it's fair. Um, but like, if you make it from his vantage point, it's awesome. If you make it from mom's vantage what if you point, made it from Uncle Frank's vantage point. What if you make it from Buzz's vantage point? Got this dweeb brother that keeps. Screwing everything up for him. Well, they got new beaches. Oh, man. Honestly. Not in the winter. Honestly, we need, you know, Disney keeps coming out with these little series. We need an Uncle Frank series. We need like a prequel. I need to figure out the exact moment where Uncle Frank became the biggest a-hole in the world. Why was he such a mooch? So, all right. This is another question. Is he really that bad of a person or is it just for, or we're just seeing the movie from the kid's vantage point and he doesn't like his uncle? Like, is there a world where Uncle Frank's actually a pretty good dude just having a bad day or two days if you watch the second one and you just, maybe he's just not having the best day and he's actually a respectable dude. Also, you ever had a, like a holiday party where a, like a, a police officer in full uniform walks in and say, hey, we're just checking out the house. 
No, you can, I don't. Can, can they no not sense. just walk in the, the damn house? He just walks in. Yeah, that should have been a. Honestly, they were a little distracted, as proven by the fact they left their kid at home home alone. Uh, you know, and 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 flew like that's a problem. Flew to Paris. And how do you have that many people in the house and not get enough pizzas? And how do you when not, you have that much money? And how do you not get more than one cheese pizza? Honestly, yeah. honestly, that many kids. I guarantee you, nobody else was eating the so meat like, lovers or anything else. You you got kids. I got kids. Huh. My kids bring friends over. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not ordering pepperoni pizzas. No, it's it, I order like five large cheese pizzas. Yep, and sometimes you get a double cheese, but that's the safe play. Yes, with kids, especially with kids that aren't your own. If everyone's going to eat a cheese pizza, yeah. I gotta say, got a lot of questions. I I feel like we could do like an expose. Like we should I, do a podcast about it. Honestly, I would love to do a movie podcast, but it'd probably just be a ripoff of the rewatchables because that's kind of the perfect movie podcast. But the first movie that I would break down extensively is Home Alone. Yeah, yeah. Joe Pesci. I mean, Daniel Stern is amazing in that. Can you, God, believe, can you believe Daniel Stern in that movie was thirty-five years old? No, I, I can't tell if that's young or old. It makes me feel old. Oh, yeah, because we're older. Oh, damn. Hot, I, da- hot I, damn. I just like that Joe Pesci went from playing. Uh, like every every mob member yeah. ever and then to this guy. Who's from Goodfellas to that. To to a holiday flick. I don't know you could be more. Like, in terms of playing bad guys, that's pretty, divor- pretty diverse. Like you go from uh, Marv, no, Harry, to who's just kind of a bumbling goof i also have takes on whether they're good robbers or not and then you go to play just an evil sociopathic gangster who's like there's a lot of like sympathetic characters in that story and joe pesci's is the least i'll also watch raging bull he's not really a criminal in that he ain't a good dude in that one either wouldn't you like to see the movie also from from the perspective of old man marley man i bet i I gotta say, we that didn't. Poor get guy. Enough. We, I mean, didn't we get thought enough. he. Was, we thought he was like this bad guy the whole time. Yeah, and honestly, like South Bend just, shovel slayer. Just turns out he's just not good at communicating with his son. Who can't like who? That movie's relatable on twelve different levels. And how good that mac and cheese look? Honestly, and he never got to it. It's the pizza. It's the pizza. A little Nemo's. A little little Nero's. Nero's every little every Nero's, time yeah. they show it. Oh man! Now I'm gonna have to go home and watch this. This is what you do to me. We are talking Ohio State, Michigan, and the rivalry. Two one six four seven four double o ninety two. If if you could, no, there's no remaking that movie. If you could reframe that movie from one character's vantage point, would it be Harry and Marv? So I guess in that case, it's two. Would it be the parents? Would it be that dastardly Uncle Frank? I gotta know more about Uncle Frank. Everyone wants to know what the dad's doing. I gotta know what makes that guy tick, because that dude is tightly wound. For a man that is apparently very frugal, which means he probably does have money, and it has a beautiful family. Because that the oldest girl in there with the beautiful uh, raven hair, the the most beautiful girl in the movie, that's his daughter. What and about, he's, what he's about Gus Polinsky? The polka king? Polka, polka. God bless you, John Candy. Yeah. We miss you. I was thinking about John Candy just randomly the other day. Ben! What's your, the, favorite, what's your favorite John Candy? Yes. Yep, all right. What's up, Ben? All right. Points I wanted, I wanted to talk about the rivalry and Jim Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. So first, I believe a rivalry has to be competitive. Um, for instance, like when the Browns sucked, then Baltimore became Pittsburgh's bigger rivalry. And I think with Ohio State, like when we dominated Michigan, 
I was more interested in playing like SEC teams than worried about Michigan. And then the other thing, Jim Harbaugh, like I, if he goes or stays, it doesn't matter. But I kind of disagree with you, Nick, but he has a lose. I think he's what, four and five for Ohio State. So it's not like he dominated us. So even if he leaves, we still have a winning record versus him. Now, Urban and Trestle, they walked away dominating Michigan. You, the only rebuttal I have to that is he got the last word in because he won the last three. And I, and I think yeah, that's yeah. something that Michigan fans will flaunt and disregard the four and five overall. No, that is true. I wouldn't want him. Yeah. Him walking away with national championship is, I think, bitter for us. So I'd like to beat him. Ben, real quick, oh if we could reframe Home Alone around one of the other characters from the first movie, who would you want to see? That, what, what would make the most interesting movie? What about the, um, was it Buzz? Is that and the older brother? Buzz, your yeah. girlfriend. Oof. <laughs> I also, He's pretty interesting character. Ben, I appreciate it. I also wonder if his, his girlfriend was really Wolf or, again, just little brother looking at that. And what does a ten, eight-year-old kid know about attractive women? Very offended for Buzz's uh, lady friend. John, do you miss there the days where, where Michigan uh, was, was a, uh, was it a pushover in the rivalry? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too worried about the rivalry. I kind of agree with you. It's good for the sport to be competitive. I mean, we got the first uh, four-team playoff natty. They got the last. I will say two things though. Like, it's going to be okay. I see a lot of people panicking about Ohio State, but they're getting a lot of their defensive pieces back. Where Michigan is losing a lot of their senior guys, and the thing that happened with Michigan over the past two to three years with the brotherhood is what we are seeing currently with a lot of these guys from OSU that could be going to the NFL that are staying, but. They want that Big Ten championship, and they want to beat the team up north. And then we got Jim Knowles, who's only going to continue being better. And I think the offseason moves that we've made, getting the offensive tackle from uh, Alabama and bringing Will Howard, he's off the pressure of Aaron Nolan. And um, and if he's, he doesn't get to face that pressure and uh, Will Howard gets to face it and increase his draft stock. And then last night you got one of the best backs in college football and Christian Judkins coming in. And if Henderson is gone, even – if Henderson isn't gone, but even if he is, we are fine. Uh, we got Carnell Tate and true freshman recruit Jeremiah Smith. But the one thing, that, the second thing I wanted to say that really is tough is it does think that the wide receiver becomes less intense after this year due to the fact that, like, there isn't as much weight with the 12-team playoff and that Michigan won the last really big one. Like, it's no longer a must-win. Uh, one of the two teams, if they just lose to each other, they can still make the playoffs. And obviously the atmosphere will still be intense, but – just not as much pressure as it used to be. You can lose a big game in your end. Um, unless they play, off, in the play in the playoffs in the future, it won't be as intense. What are you guys' thoughts? John, appreciate you, buddy. Um, I mean, uh, when people say it's not going to be as intense, I actually think it opens up to a different level of intensity, which is that you play each other in November, and there there's going to be a time likely at some point in the college football playoff where where you actually play each other in the playoffs. And I, I really hope the College Football Selection Committee protects rivalries, meaning that the only time you see Ohio State-Michigan or Georgia-Bama or any of the truly great rivalries, um, Bedlam, I don't know, but Oklahoma-Texas, like the only time you see them is in the Final Four. But getting to the greater point, it's still going to matter. Yeah. Like, guys, the difference between being the number one seed and the 10 seed, or in this case, this year it would have been what, one versus eight or one versus six, something like that. That's gigantic, the implications of being the one seed or the six seed. So I, I think some of that's been – I think sometimes college football traditionalists 
can go overboard in the panic of, well, it's not going to be like this. Well, yeah, but there are some things that are actually improvements. Like, for everything that's been said about NIL and the transfer portal, this was the most level playing field in college football we've had in a hot minute. Like, there was no true, and this is, you know, this has kind of been used to discredit Michigan. There's no true one team that was a Bama or a Georgia or a true, you know, the unbeatable team, and we're like, all right, it's that team and maybe two other teams. This year, and would have been the perfect year for 12 uh, teams this year, because I think there were eight teams, eh, maybe closer to six or seven teams with a legit playoff gripe, and that would have made for an explosive final couple rounds of the college football playoff. Let's go with Nick. Nick, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Nick, what's going on, my man? Not much, buddy. Nick, how you doing? Not too shabby. Dustin, how are you? What's happening, Nick? Not too much. I got a fun fact about Buzz's uh, woofy girlfriend, if you guys are interested. Uh, I'm ready. My body's here, ready. I'm here so, for all of the fun facts. Oh, yeah. these are. This is about Buzz's girlfriend. So <clears throat> the people making the movie knew that, you know, the fate of Buzz's girlfriend wasn't going to be too kind. So they actually, I can't remember who's the director or the producer. But oh, they I, might have heard, I might have heard this actually. Go ahead. Yeah, put a put a wig on their son and made him smile real cheesy like that. If you can like find a still of that shot of the picture, so it's not even a girl; it's actually the director or producer's son. I actually kind of like that better. Yeah, like and thank you for the call. So yeah, I, I had heard that at one point. So I was in a play in college, and one of the characters. Oh, oh. Huh? Wait, you were in a play? Yeah, I was in multiple plays. I was the star of a play. Are we just now hearing about this? I believe I've let you know about my thespian tendencies multiple times here. Well, we heard about your thespian tendencies all the time, but not not necessarily that you were in plays. But there was a well, yeah, that's but I'm acting like that's what you do. Yet, what do you think I acted in? You think I was just walking down the road in character like Daniel Day Lewis? How did you get in uh, this area of interest? Did you take a class or what? Uh, no, I started in church plays, and then in college, I tried out, and uh, turns out your boy's a bit of a ham, and it worked out very well. Yeah, uh, you are a ham. Now all that, and also a porker. That being said, there was a there was a character in one of the the, the shows called Lysistrata, and it called for a big, burly, unattractive woman as one of the the secondary characters. And rather than put a female in that position, I actually i i offered to play that so that so it would you played the woman. Yeah, so the ugly, I, I you played the ugly woman. Yeah, I didn't want some there, uh, some other things uh, going on in your life right now. You like like tell us about? No, it is twenty twenty four, Keith. No, I'm telling you that ain't happening. This this does not this does not work as uh, anything other than what it is, which is Paul Bunyan. Not doing some shows at uh, night. If it, uh, at this point, if it got me some cash, I might. But no, I'm not. But no, so I I I I'm right there. The fact that the 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 producer's son stepped up, and so it didn't have some girl being embarrassed. It's a classy act there. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.